welcome to the Talking Bollocks podcast with me, Howard Smith. Howard H. Smith, nearly forgot the H. Um, it's lovely to have you back. Thanks for returning as always, Bollockers, and thanks if it's your first time listening. This is the boring, dull intro. I've never managed to find a format I like, so let's just get straight on with it. Uh, my name is Howard H. Smith. I am the lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain, active between 1988 and 1991, rebooted again in 2015, and coming at you live and direct wherever you may live. Just announced a gig in Burnley. Oh yeah, we're rocking the world. Um, so uh, I also do stand-up comic. I do do I do stand-up comic. Um, I do stand-up comedy. You can find me at uh, keithplatt.co.uk. I uh, also do comedy as myself, but that's more of an MC role. Um, uh, what else do I do? Um, uh, yeah, we do this podcast. It's all right, isn't it? Right? At Talking Bollocks with a Z instead of an S on Twitter. Um, and um, yeah, and on Facebook and all that other shit. So come come and hook up with us in any way you can. Um, it's always good to get some feedback. Um, even, uh, I, I hadn't meant to, meant to lead off with this, but amazing news, people. I was actually contacted by a female bollocker who um, who doesn't even live in the UK. lives in the States, originally from New Zealand. Hey, how amazing is that? Incredible. Female bollockers, they do actually exist. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, how, how bizarre is that? I know some of you were listening thinking, wow, that's uh, never that's something I never thought I'd hear. And uh, you'd be right. And I would be one of those people who thought I'd never, never liked to hear. So, uh, hello, Jane. Um, uh, Smith is part of her surname. I don't want to disclose her full name because, you know, who'd want to... Um, you lot are stalking them, um, but uh, but she's no relation, so um, that's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. So that's the good stuff, um, the bad stuff. Um, there's no other place to start, unfortunately, and that is Manchester. Um, fucking hell. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it, sporting events and entertainment events you like to think are almost sacred, but no. Um, so unfortunately, um, the, the events in Manchester are, were horrific. What I don't want to do is sit here and go on about how horrific it was because we all know. And to be honest, um, it's now, um, three days since it happened and, um, the news coverage is, is bordering on sick. It's bordering on interfering and, uh, with people's guilt, uh, sorry, guilt with, um, uh, oh, grief and um I, I yeah at some point very soon um we we need to stop giving the oxygen to 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 um terrorists of consistently consistently dig digging through the wreckage of people's lives and and putting people who are quite clearly in an emotional state on television um it's just I, but anyway look it was I, what can I say that by the time you've heard this, you haven't heard before? Um, so the same as you, the same as all of you listening. Um, I, I, yeah, it was just, yeah, horrendous. Um, and um, uh, and who would have thought that um, I would not be opening the podcast with the terribly sad news about Chris Cornell? Because when that happened, I thought, right, OK, I'm going to have to lead with that on the podcast Something even worse has happened. So, I, yeah, what a great month to be alive. 
Um, no one knows what happened there with with uh, uh, Chris Cornell. It, I mean, it, it, his his wife is saying he wasn't depressed at the time. Um, I don't know, but it really made me it really made me evaluate um, the Soundgarden um, uh, discography, I guess, <laughs> for want of a better phrase. Um, and um, it, yeah, it was. I, I've been playing it, and, and wow, the signs are in there. I mean, you know, there is just there's songs about depression. I'm, do you know what? I'm quite embarrassed that I listened to Outshined, and I'd never really taken in what it was about. And it, it's uh, yeah, but I guess because it's it's kind of a it's kind of an aggressive song. I don't, I, I don't know. It's just. And yeah, of course, it's about it's about depression. And then, of course, you know, fell on black days. The day I tried to live, he was trying to give us a, you know, give us a clue on every album. Uh, there's a song about depression on every album, which is something I've been through, something I've lived with. And and if you're listening to this and you suffer, you know, you have my utmost respect um, because sometimes sometimes it does seem incredibly difficult to to um, put one foot in front of the other and and get out of bed. Um, but look, a, ter- a terrible loss, a really a, a, a tragic loss. Um, yeah, I mean, hit me where I live. Big Soundgarden fan, big big Chris Cornell fan. Um, if you can dig out on YouTube, um, uh, Chris Cornell live in Sweden, search for that. Um, unbelievable. Um, what a performance! Just him and an acoustic guitar playing some Audio Slave songs, playing some Soundgarden songs, playing some Temple of the Dog songs. It's the first place I ever heard heard him do his version of Billie Jean, and it's just unbelievable. It really is just fucking unbelievable, and a real a real tribute to the guy. So um, yeah, check that out. So um, hopefully um, we can get a little bit more upbeat here with the reaction to last month's podcast containing the Dan Spitz interview. And boy, um, basically there were more views on my YouTube channel. There were more views for that interview than the whole of 2016 combined. So once again, a big thanks to Chris Davies who managed to sort that interview out for me. Um, he's working away in the background, trying to get a few other people um, on board as well, and it's going very well. So um, yeah, we're going to have some interesting uh, interviews on here coming up soon, but um, as, as well as this episode, obviously. Um, uh, but yeah, wow, it was just phenomenal, um, and uh, yeah, it was just I just thought I'd mention it because I'm a self publicist and uh, made me feel good, and uh, I've got massive ego seeing all those views on YouTube. Fucking great. Um, so, uh, well, something I've spoken about on here before. Um, okay, sorry about that. A little bit of a glitch. Um, but one thing I've spoken to spoken about on the podcast before is the Ronnie James Dio. Um, hologram. I, uh, there's a lot of death at the beginning of this um, be, beginning of this podcast, and, um, and and so yes, on we go with the um, the afterlife and the Dio hologram. Please stop, stop with the Ronnie Dio hologram. It's fucking horrible. Now I've I've heard people on other podcasts go on about. Oh no no, it's all right. Oh, it's a good idea. It's because they've not actually watched it. It's fucking awful. It's terrible to watch. For a start, right? It's obviously from a. He, he starts. He, he starts interacting with the crowd, as in seeing things in the crowd that aren't there. Obviously, because this is from a performance when he was alive, and also there's the rest of the band. There's no on-stage chemistry. 
You know, they can't run over and high-five him or give, give him a nod and go like, oh, yeah, I'm like, no, it's so, it's just horrible. It's like basically a big cinema screen watching one bloke sing and point with three other kind of like people moving around, four other people moving around underneath him. It's bloody awful. And how do you, how do you, I, I, I mean, I know, I know I shouldn't, but I mean, <laughs> he's not there. It's just, it's simple as, it's simple as that. He's not fucking there. It's not Ronnie, so it's not worth seeing. It's pissing on his memory. I can't understand why his wife's behind it. And Jesus Christ, how do you rehearse for something like that? How do you rehearse? Brilliant, eh? Ronnie's never late for rehearsal, is he? No, 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 no. What do they do? Do they rock up? Do they play to a click track? Do they just have his voice boom through a PA whilst they, whilst they're rehearsing his songs? It's just a fucking horrible idea. Just stop it. And, and I'll tell you something else that needs to stop. I am sick and tired of every single fucker on this planet talking about Lady Gaga and Metallica's performance. Like, can we please fucking let it go? Who's the nicest, right? Jason. Jason says that, Gaga, that the Gaga performance was made better by the gear fucking up. Well, if it had been her mic, maybe. To be fair, the whole thing was a fucking car crash anyway. But who, who cares? Who cares? I, I, the one thing, the one thing I'm glad I've heard recently about all of this is is James has said, seemingly contradicting Lars, um, but Lars is one to always leave doors open in case, cha-ching, it might be worth visiting again in the future. James James just comes out and goes, no, we won't be doing anything with uh, with Lady Gaga. And I am sick and fucking tired of hearing about her energy. I really am. This woman sounds like a fucking power station, the way people are talking about her. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's got a great energy. She brings great energy. She's got organic... I sound like Trump. That's fucking... That's an accident. But let's keep going. Um, she's got a great energy. She's, she's, she's so energetic. She's got such an organic energy. Okay. Yeah, I said that. Okay, moving on. Fucking hell, that is not a bad Trump impression, right? <laughs> this is happening as you hear it, okay? Please don't think I fucking planned this. But I think I might have a Trump impression in me. This is... This is a result. This is something that I was not expecting. Brilliant. But anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick of hearing about the energy. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's not very good, is it? That's more sort of Ronald Reagan. Aye, aye, aye. Um, just going off. It's just American politician. Um, American, American politician impressions. Um, uh, so, but anyway, and actually, just chuck in here. Um, if anybody has seen... Uh, uh, Megadeth's tribute Chris Cornell they do um, uh, they do um, Outshined and well they try and, um, and Dave sounds like he's having an aneurysm while he's singing it but to be fair he does say it doesn't sound very good and I'm not the only person who's, who's noticed this but he started sounding like Trump he's got the mic and he's going okay, we lost um, we lost we lost a very good friend today very good friend Chris Cornell one of the greatest rock stars greatest rock stars and it was the Trump impression's gone now. I don't know. It was there for a minute. It's gone now. But seriously, he's got the Trumpisms. He's got he's got them down, and it is fucking embarrassing. It really fucking is. Oh dear. Anyway, um, so little callback to uh, yeah to last month's podcast. Um, Corey Taylor. I think the phrase was. Um, 
Uh, we've capped li- captured lightning in a jar. No one has seen anything like this for a thousand years. Yeah, okay. Heard the new Stone Tower single. Um, jaw-breaking yawn. No lightning anywhere. Um, funnily enough, it, do you know what it sounds like? Yeah, that's right. It sounds like Stone Sour. It sounds like mid-tempo, pretty harmless, inoffensive, very unoriginal, middle-of-the-road, heavy metal. That's it. I mean, if that's what you're into, wonderful. Is it going to change the world? No. Is it going to make anything any better? Is it going to move things forward? No. No. It's just there. It just exists. Okay? So thank you, Corey, but no lightning in a jar. Um, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, right. Okay. So there's two things happened with me since we spoke last. One is, um, yeah, well, this is what I'm going to tell you about now, which is yeah, not particularly big or interesting. And another is considerably bigger um so first first up um i went for a hearing test and it turns out that apart from two frequencies not only is my hearing average in fact it's above average in fact it's what is known as perfect check that shit out how the fuck did that happen um yeah she drew a line through the little dots where you hear it and she says if 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 the dots are in there it means it's perfect and in both ears, I only had, only had two dots out of ten that weren't in the perfect banding. How fuck? I don't know why I'm telling you this, right? And I don't know why I'm going on like it's like it's an achievement, like I've done something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep, got out, got perfect hearing. Yep. Uh, oh, it's took a lot of work, a lot of effort, uh, hours and hours of slaving in the ear shop. <laughs> I, mean, I, I honestly, it's just suddenly hit me that I am just trying to take credit for something that has got nothing to do with me. Basically, what well, I'm taking credit for not fucking up my hearing. That's what I'm doing. I'm basically saying, yeah, um, I haven't shoved pencils in my ears, therefore my earring's okay. And uh, been in a metal band, it's all right. I haven't managed to jab a sharp implement into my ears and burst my eardrums. No, I've I've done really well. Um, so to all of you out there who have um, who have hearing, um, yeah, my my apologies, uh, my apologies for uh, for raining on your parade. You are you are great too. Um, and the um, the other thing that happened that's happened with me is um, I, I I wasn't sure whether I tell you that you guys this or not, but um, I've I've told you more personal stuff. Um, I have been made redundant um, from the job I was in um, because yes, believe it or not, gibbering away. Yes, gibbering away in your front room, uh, being in a band that um, gigs occasionally and um, doing stand-up. Funnily enough, not all of that is enough to, um, well, to, to to buy a donut, frankly. So, um, yeah, uh, one does need uh, some form of, uh, of employment. And um, I, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, look, the good news is... I'm not crying about it. Um, I I do get um, three months uh, salary, um, and I'm actually, um, uh, as, as, to be honest, I didn't enjoy it. I really didn't enjoy it. In fact, when anybody asked me about it, I said I hated it, and I re- and, and and so to be, it took a little while to sink in, but to actually be paid to leave a job you hate is a bit of a result. And I'm sure some of you listening to this would be thinking, "Fucking, hell, I wish they'd pay me to leave my job, Howard." So, um, so I'm certainly not going to, you know, and, and it's a chance to really look at what I want to do next. Um, so, and, and what, what that is, I don't know what, what, 
what things look what the shape of any of that looks like i haven't got a clue um but um you know i just i just thought i'd mention it because i have been you know i've been pretty honest and open with you guys from day one um and so yeah i thought i'd mention it okay cool um oh yeah well going back to megadeth actually um a couple more things on megadeth um uh mustaine was more than happy to be censored in in malaysia doesn't want to cause any offense um i quite find it quite offensive that somebody who claims to be uh, dry and been through rehab um is willing to sell beer but it would appear there's nothing that mustaine won't do um in order to make a buck so now it's censor his own music um uh it's um it's have stalkers round to your house and your new little megadeth jamboree um there's there's just basically nothing that um that that he won't do and um so yeah good i mean i look i know i've said in the past well whatever people have to do to make money these days uh, yeah i don't know you know do you draw the line somewhere iron maiden were happy to be censored to play china i, I don't know i you know I, I don't know i know that you know all i do know is that where uh, one opinion of one opinion of my band and another opinion of another band will completely differ uh, and contradict each other based on the bands and how much i like the people in them so um yeah, maybe maybe I should just shut the fuck up. Um, but then this would be um, a, a shit podcast. Um, and, um, and and apparently, uh, finally, before we go into the first interview, uh, Dave Lefson informs us that um, music is a uh, is a gift from our creator. Um, so there you go. I don't think he means Mila. I don't think he means creator with a K. Um, but you know, it's a, a gift from our creator apparently because we were we were uh, made in his image, and therefore, so what he's saying is basically, um, God, right, likes music, yeah, because he created us in his image. So just imagine this, okay? Let's let's go for the um, should we go for the traditional version of God? You know, bloke, bushy beard, up in the clouds, whatever, okay? And he's busy making man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't really don't know where to start there. Maybe we just imagine he's making his like out of plaster scene, and he's just like molding these little figures and going like, doo, 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 okay. So I don't know what accent it would be. I don't know what fucking country he's from. And if you're American, I know this is going to really fucking surprise you, okay? But not sure you're his favourite country, okay? So stop asking him to bless you all the fucking time at the end of every sentence. Um, can I have a, a pint of beer, please? God bless America. Um, and uh, what are you doing today? God bless America. Um, so anyway, there he is. He's, he's, making, he's making little people. He hasn't made countries yet, so he doesn't even know America exists. So please, once again, stop asking him to bless it. He doesn't know what it is, right? He's not made countries, right? He just made a big ball, yeah, and just stuck us on it. Two, apparently. One was Adam and one was Eve, if you believe that utter fucking fairy story. And if you do, you've got hey, imaginary friends. That's absolutely fine. It's cool. Whatever gets you through the day, yeah, whatever helps you deal with reality, you want to create a parallel universe and an ulterior reality that makes you get through the day, absolutely fine. Um, so there he is, okay. He's, I, I, how much have I managed to cram into this of my own philosophy? What a twat. Um, so he's just he's made the little figures and then he's like, little Adam... Little Eve, he's just going to put them down in, you know, in their little in their little garden that he's made on this little ball. Okay, and he just puts them in, and he looks at them, and he goes, "Oh shit, um, uh, music, yeah, make music, by the way, because I love it, love music, yeah. I know it's not been invented yet, but heavy metal is my favourite kind. Black Sabbath, my favourite band. I know, <laughs> who'd have thought it? Hey, 
<laughs> Who would have thought that I would uh, I'd be involved with creating a form of music which has been linked with Satanism from the day it was made, you know, the day it was created, hey? Who would have thought that? But no. Love, um, uh, I tell you, I do. I love, I love Sabbath. Always have, always will, hey? The Osbournes, Sharon! Hey, crack me up. Absolutely brilliant. Anyway, um, I'm God. <laughs> it's time for an interview. Fuck me. It is time for an interview, uh, and I'll try and um, glue my head together. Um, this is me with Des. Uh, sorry, I, I can't just jump into it. It's um, Des Fafara of um, uh, Devil Driver. Uh, I've wanted to get him on the podcast for ages, and um, I finally managed it. And this was a really cool, relaxing chat um and yeah we were just shooting the breeze and it was really really enjoyable i was sat in gray rainy london he was on the phone in california in 70 degrees of heat and um uh yeah it was cool we had a chat i recorded it here it is times can play some some practical jokes it's all good it can it can indeed so um how's your day man what you what, what you been up to Oh man, it's a Sunday afternoon in California. It's about seventy-nine degrees, and I'm uh, right now walking with the wife uh, around some. I don't know. She's picking out flowers and vegetables and stuff to plant. So I'm just kind of cruising around, enjoying the day with her. You know. Oh man, I, I, I wish I, I wish I hadn't asked. It's fucking grey clouds and cold here. Oh yeah, okay. I heard you. Didn't you guys just have snow recently, right? <laughs> Well, I'm I'm in London, but uh, so so not quite. Hardly it, it doesn't right. it doesn't it, it's got to be pretty shit to snow in London. But uh, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it, man, I get it. But you know, out here it's absolutely beautiful, and I'm I'm rarely home for this time of the year. Um, we just have a few one-offs. Uh, we play uh, in about a week and a half, two weeks. We play with uh, Danzig and and uh, Ministry, and then after that, we have just one more one-off We're over at Chicago Open Air where we're playing with, you know, Slipknot and Ozzy and Slayer and everybody, so um, I have, I'm fortunate to be home at this time of the year right now, and in springtime is a, a fantastic time to live and be in California. Yeah, well, that's, it's funny you should say that when you say, like, you know, you're not normally home for this time of year. I thought you were just going to say, I'm not normally home, because... Um, well, I am, yeah. I am not normally home, but I'm yeah. definitely not normally home this time of year. I mean, this is... This is the tour. This is touring season uh, for sure, and uh, we're, we're working on some stuff right now in the studio. And so I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to be home with my family uh, during springtime in California. So. so, so you're back in the studio already? Is that is that is that EP or is that demos or? Well, we've been back in the studio for about a year right now. We're working on something uh, absolutely fantastic, something that's never been done, uh, that's going to come out next year, and it's kind of going to breach the gap going to bridge the gap there between Trust No One and the next full length, uh, the next uh, original full length. So we've been working very, very, very diligently. And, and it, yeah, like I said, it affords me a little bit of time home. Right. So that sounds that sounds like some that sounds like some Devil Driver covers coming out. Is, is, is... Well, absolutely. We're doing something uh, that's, you know, never been done, mixing the genres that's, that's never been done. Ah. Uh, you know, if you come if you come over into America and you come onto an American heavy metal tour bus, you're definitely going to hear guys like uh, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson. You're going to hear a lot of outlaw country. There's there's a respect level as well from the outlaw country guys. I mean, you got guys like Jamie Johnson that wear you know Lamb of God shirts on stage. 
stage and stuff. And then you've got a lot of respect in the heavy metal musician world for outlaw country musicians and what they did and the ground they broke. So Devil Driver's doing an outlaw country cover record, wow. but heavy, but heavy Devil Driver style. And it's really turned into something fantastic. There's over 25 guests. And I can just give you an example of one song, uh, which is Ghost Riders in the Sky. Right. I flew out to Memphis. I recorded at Johnny Cash's cabin with John Carter Cash Jr., his son, and his wife, Anna Cash. Wow. Um, was fortunate to sign the mantle over the fireplace right next to Willie Nelson uh, in the John Cash cabin. And as a matter of fact, Randy from Lamb of God is also going to be on that song. So just to tell you the diverse... Uh, things that are getting ready to happen and there's well over 20 guests uh, most most of them Grammy Award winning or or legendary artists you know another one is leaving from fear I grew up on punk rock circle jerks the germs black flag fear um, and leaving is also doing he's the only artist that's doing two songs with me so it's a it's becoming uh, this thing's becoming a monster for sure we we were gonna go in and do a cover record to kind of bridge the gap and have some have some fun with it the music turned out so fantastic that anybody we started to approach from John Five to Rob Zombie to, like I said, Mark Morton from Lamb of God to all sorts of other artists started wanting to come on with us. And um, so now it's just really turned into something spectacular. and We can't wait to, to share it. These are songs that in my head I've always heard heavy. I mean, even when my parents played yeah. it around the house, I would hear them heavy. So uh, it's, it's great to do it. That's awesome, and it, it must be um, that must be interesting vocally as well, because it, it, it gives you it gives you something other than Devil Driver stuff to to work on. And I mean, I'm, as a, as a vocalist myself, I always find it interesting trying to interpret uh, other people's stuff. Well, that's really fun. Uh, that's a fun part of it. I, I've never been able to sing anybody else's lyrics. However, Devil Driver uh, has done many covers, and and if you know, we'd wasted years from Iron Maiden. I mean, from yeah. my vocal style to try to tackle Bruce's vocal style, it's almost. I thought it was going to be impossible, which is why we took it on. But uh, we've done you know very out of the box songs. You know, uh, Black yeah. Soul Choir. Uh, we've done Black Soul Choir by Sixteen Horsepower, which by all means they're like an alternative alt dark country you know folk act almost and yeah uh, we killed we killed that it was a fan favorite we came out of pocket and and did sail by awol nation uh quite unknowingly before the song became a hit for them actually uh and then you know but we took that on so we started really feeling like okay we're having such a good time doing covers let's go in and do something spectacular and let's do something that has never been done and let's really tell the world as well like if you come over to the united states and you're on a you know punk rock tour bus or, or a heavy metal tour bus you're gonna hear outlaw country i mean a perfect example is when i called lee ving at his house which still sounds crazy to me i called lee Ving at his house, he immediately started singing a, a, a Hank Senior song to me and, and sang like the whole thing country to me. So there's a massive respect level between genres, and I don't know if people in uh, the UK or in mainland Europe or around the world know that. And so yeah. this is kind of us as well sharing like, hey, this is what goes on in rock and roll culture in America. You got guys like you know Mick Jagger who love that stuff. And you got heavy metal cats like me and, uh, like I said, Randy and a lot of other cats that adore that music, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that, and, I, and for what it's worth, I think you're right. I think, I don't think that's something that's, that, that's kind of known over here, really. Um, no, not at all. I mean, I can remember one of the first guys um, 
uh, that we called to be on it was Corey Taylor. And I mean, it took him five minutes to come back with a song choice because he knew all the songs that we were getting ready to do. And uh, we, we, we hope that Corey has enough time to, to be on it as well right now. He's got so much going on. But just the fact that he would call me back within five minutes and had a song choice will show you that all of these artists are uh, also embedded in the careers of these outlaw artists that really broke ground. I mean, they, they weren't pop, they were outlaw. I mean, these guys like were riding in their cars back and forth to, to gigs. I mean, like, you know, and they weren't pop country as well. So there's just a massive respect level between, you know, them and metal and metal and them. Yeah. And it's, 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 I mean, I, I, Metal is kind of is kind of like an outlaw kind of music as well, isn't it? It's, it's one hundred percent, man. One hundred percent, it's outlaw. I mean, and especially now, uh, where where heavy metal is now. I mean, it's like down where blues is and punk rock right now. Like it is, it is definitely gone completely underground. That's the that's just the fact, and especially in America, that's just a fact. I mean. Um, and so it's cool to pay tribute to those those guys. And, and there's so many stories that if you just go back and you listen to these stories of these artists and, and how they traveled and, and how they got record deals and, and, and how they handled themselves and their career, it's just, it's incredible, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I, I, it kind of sounds as well like you're kind of pushing against an open door with getting people on this. It's like it's like you know you can get, kind of come up with a perfect wish list, and everyone's well, going to go. No, yeah, we had no yeah. idea that this was going to happen. I was just figuring. Look, I'm going to go do country tunes. I definitely want to go to the Cash Cabin. Uh, it's been a lifetime goal of mine, and I want to work with John Carter Cash. After that happened, the floodgates opened everybody that heard we were doing it i mean i was getting calls you know at midnight from guys on the road hey man is this true like i'm hearing you guys are doing this this cover record and and i would to myself you know just say yeah we are why and i want to be on it do you have room for me and then it became okay this is not just a devil driver record this is going to have a ton of guests on it and now like i said the the guest list is insane if i were to go through all the names right now it would take me a long time <laughs> oh that's awesome man. and with and with a, uh, presumably the label were were into this straight away as soon as you mentioned it well they're an austrian label you know they're over in mainland europe and i and like they said hey we don't know if if mainland europe or the uk is going to even get this and i said even better even better like i want to do things that are different. I want to push boundaries. I want to open people's minds. Uh, it's it's what I've done from the start with Cold Chamber. It's what I've done from the start with Devil Driver. It's 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 why our fans came up with a, our own title for our music because they couldn't categorize us and started calling us the Groove Machine, the California Groove. It's like so that means you know what are we doing here? We've got to break boundaries. It's why every Devil Driver record sounds different from one another, even though it has a signature sound, is because we love to break our own boundaries. And this one in particular is something that needs to be done, has never been done. Um, and people around the world need to know definitely, you know, that these this music goes hand in hand. One hundred percent, and and it's really cool because you 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 know you know there's going to be kids who listen to this and uh, and are going to discover country through yeah definitely your, your exposure uh, absolutely to it. I mean they they may hear Ghost Riders in the Sky would like I said John Carter Cash and Randy and I and say wait what's this and go back and hear the original which is so haunting that it's like if you listen to John Cat you know Johnny Cash do that song that is haunting right there and 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 to to open minds to open doors. That's my thing. I've, I've, never had, uh, a, I've never had a love for purists, meaning the guy <laughs> who just 
just said, oh, all I listen to is metal. That's it. My life is just metal. It's like, really, dude? Like, you you know, you need to open your mind. You're, you're losing probably 85% of the music around the world, be it blues, uh, you know, be it, you know, whatever, be it blues, be it outlaw country, uh, be it like, who knows, Hawaiian slide guitar, tiki music. I mean, who knows? Like, you need to open your mind to all sorts of other music. And I've always been part of that. I mean, it started with me uh, in Cold Chamber. I mean, I, you know, people would say, like, cite your influences. And I'd say Bauhaus and Motorhead. And they'd be like, huh? Like, they just, they couldn't get it that I was as equally immersed in Alien Sex Fiend and, and, and Bauhaus and Love and Rockets and as, as I was Fear, Black Flag, Germs, the Circle Jerks, as I was Motorhead and, like, you know, all the older metal stuff that I listened to as well. So, for me, I've always been not only an open book when it comes to that, but I've always tried to open people's minds on, hey, you need to listen to some different kinds of music here, man, you know. Yeah, and, and it, I mean, well, it's funny, you know, earlier you were saying about you're going you're gonna to go over and do some gigs with, um, with Danzig at Ministry, and when, you, and when you were saying that, and then you're going over to play with Slayer and Ozzy and stuff, and I was thinking, there's, there's, there's not many bands I can think of who can, who can, who can play both those bills and, and not get bottled off at, at least one of them, you know what I mean? Right, absolutely, <laughs> I agree with you. Look, man, I've just been very fortunate in my career that, I, you know, I'm a real straight shooter, so I really don't have any enemies. And I've been fortunate to meet all my heroes. I'm still in awe of what I do daily. Um, come, I'm a blue work, you know, a blue collar working guy that have come from a blue collar working family. I was a runaway when I was 15. I was in prison. I mean, I know what it's like out there in the world. So I know how fortunate I am. And that goes hand in hand with every guy that I meet. Be it, you know, hey, Al Jurgensen, do you want to guest on, you know, the, the first Cold Chamber record in 13 years? Yes, Daz, I want to do it. Like, I've always been fortunate with that. You know, I mean, just, just doing this Blackest of the Black with Danzig is because Danzig called my house at 11 o'clock at night and was like, look, man, we want to have you on this. Do you want to do it? And I was like, absolutely, man, Glenn. You know, he, Glenn was my first tour ever uh, in Cold Chamber. And, and right. the guy's been a great friend ever since. So I've been very fortunate, very fortunate. And I share like-minded ideals with all these other artists, if you talk to Glenn Danzig, he'll tell you he loves Elvis. If you if you talk to Al Jurgensen from Ministry, he'll tell you he loves Outlaw Country. I mean, God, listen to some of his stuff, and and, vi- and vice versa with me or, or or everybody else that's on this record. They have they listen to other genres of music. So I like open minded people, and I like to get together and and, and work with them. Yeah, well, I, you know, like minded people uh, attract like minded people, don't they? And um, absolutely, one hundred percent. And are, are you going to be? Are you, I mean, have you have you kind of figured out how you're going to work some of these these covers into the set, or are you going to be? You know, are you are you going to be playing them live? You know, we don't really know. We're like, okay, are we going to take one and two, one or two of them, and put them in the set, or are we going to go out and just do the whole record? And if we do that, then maybe that's going to isolate people that want to hear other Devil Driver songs. So how will that work out? We don't know yet. What we're doing is, we knew that we didn't want to wait three years between records a lot of artists will make you make three or four years between records i'm a massive music fan when my favorite bands make me wait three or four years between music it's a bummer so we knew we were going to have a little gap and a little time off with some one-offs and stuff we were doing we started messing with some songs and before you knew it we all were kind of looking at each other going we have something extremely good here and extremely different and not only that it's never been done so when you hear a down-tuned heavy guitar doing a song like just say Ghost Riders in the Sky and you hear lap pedal steel behind it, like it's the most chilling 
thing when you hear it. Um, yeah. So look, we've stumbled upon something, and and we started thinking, okay, this is definitely volume one, volume two kind of thing because we're going to do more of these. And there's, you know, there's been 25 other guests that have called me. Some of them are massive uh, individuals in the entertainment industry that I had to say, hey, I don't have any more room. I I, <laughs> I can't have two or three guests. I can't have two or you know four guests on each song. So. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be fantastic when we when we do another one as well and bring some other people on. But I'm looking forward to to releasing this one and um, very fortunate to be at home and have some time to do something like this. Oh man, that's I, I'm really pleased for you because it's it, it sounds absolutely like a like a labor of love. Oh, 100. percent I mean, but you know, look, it's no it's no secret I'm not I'm not 20 anymore. So nope. bucket list thing, bucket list things are very important. Who do I want to work with? Where do I want to go? You know, for instance, we just got back from South Africa. Well, in a, in a 23, 24 year career, I've never been in, so we decided to go. And it's the same thing with the music that we're doing, you know, and it started out me going, hey, man, I, got, I want to do a song of punk rock covers, like real deal punk rock, Circle Jerks, Germs, Black Flag, Dead Kennedys, like my punk rock that I grew up on. Yeah. And then we started talking about outlaw music and just so happens the outlaw thing started to happen before the punk rock thing uh so you know who, who knows but it's it's really all about at this point doing bucket list items and i've never done a cover record with devil driver and i've also never done a double record with devil driver so there's a there's things in the works for sure wow okay well i i, I mean is, is are these are these songs that where you're thinking well you know what we've got a real lot we've got some real good guests here we can we could get some really great exposure let's do a video as well and 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 see if we can break down some barriers that way as well yeah i mean look we're right now what we did is say we're not putting a release date on it we're not putting expectations on it when it's done it's done when the when the music is done when the photos are done when all the guests are in we'll come up with an idea for a video um, and like I said, it was just supposed to be me and maybe one or other two guests. I mean, the first two people or first three people that I talked to um, are on the thing right now. But it was just supposed to be me and, and a few people. And then it ended up turning out to be what it is. So we'll see in the future what it's going to turn into. And I'm sure there'll be a video for it, etc. Yeah, right. Okay. So it's, so it's, it's almost like Devil Driver and Friends right now. Yeah, and it, it wasn't meant to be that. It was just something like, hey, we're home. Let's do something fun. And yeah. God, like I said, the calls just kept coming in. Uh, and, and before you know it, it just turned into something really special. And the camaraderie between it, like to hear the stories, is unreal. And we should probably be doing this interview, you know, at the beginning of next year for the record, and we probably will. But, <laughs> cool. you know, since you asked me what's going on, and since a lot of people say, like, so is there a cover thing in the works? It's like, I'm not going to keep it hidden. I'm going to let everybody know what's going on. But when you, when I call, like, a, a legend, uh, a guy I grew up on, a guy, like, literally, when I ran away from home and was, you know, sleeping under bridges, stealing food when I was 16 years old, I was wearing a fear shirt. And here I am on the phone with Lee Ving, and he's singing me hank williams senior songs like and sounding amazing i'm thinking to myself what common bond is here if if legends uh of the punk rock realm are singing outlaw country songs if if legends in the metal world are calling me like almost with de desperation going dude tell me there's a song tell me there's a song i can be on that you don't have too many people that for me actually that sold it for me I yeah. was like, okay, this is this is something that needs to be done. Well, the thing is, is where it's one of those things, isn't it, where you can't beat spontaneity, and that's what this is. It's spontaneous, isn't it? It's, it's taken on a life. Oh, yeah. It's taken on a life of its own, basically. It's just like oh, you're, so you're, you are now. You are now just curating lots of people's fantasies. 
Oh, just so spontaneous. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I just think people are really going to love this thing. Absolutely. So we're, we're excited to share it with everybody, and we're working diligently. I start vocals in 12 or 13 days uh, on this, and uh, it's going to be exciting. And I mean, that's just. Have you been? Um, do you, are you are you kind of um, rehearsing the tunes as well and developing how you want to approach them vocally? Yeah, well, I'm going to approach it Devil Driver style, and if other things are needed, I'm going to do it. If I if I go into something that you know needs a very heavy, heavy, hard, clean vocal, I'll do it. We so far we've realized that the more brutal the track. We'll always have somebody behind me, like say a John Carter Cash or somebody else, doing a clean vocal. Right. That, okay. That, yeah. That hold that holds in the melody. So yeah. There's just uh, there's real spectacular in and outs. Here's the thing, right? We have no expectations. I'm not expecting. I don't care what sells the first week or doesn't sell. I don't care about any of that. There's no expectations about anything. Is the music going to come out as heavy as Devil Driver, or is it going to be light, or where is it going to go? It's like. <laughs> Really, no one cares as yeah. long as it's good. And I yeah. think that, that's art. That's when you sit down in front of a canvas with yeah. 50 colors and you just start throwing paint. Then you look back at the end of the night and you go, what did I just do? So we wanted this to be to have that kind of a feel. No expectations whatsoever. Just let's do something so pure of ourselves and obviously pure of like <laughs> the, the other 20, 25 people on this thing that – that it comes out, you know, you're going to hear it and go, okay, this is so from the heart. You got to hear this. And the main thing for me, somebody said to me, like, you know, who are you most looking forward to, to having hear this? You know, like, do you want country fans to hear this? Do you want metal fans? Do you want Devil Driver fans to love this? And I said, to be honest with you, I know every single band is going to be listening to this. So that's who I'm writing it for. All yeah. the bands that are going to go, duh. We should have done this. Like, <laughs> oh, we missed it. Like, or, or the guys who are going to be like, I told you, I told you we should have done this. So there's going to be so many bands in the back of their tour bus jamming this thing to see what we've done that that's going to be the pleasure for me is to have other artists hear what we've done. And, and beyond that, the listening public to let them, you know, feel something just completely original. And, and not only that, to feel them feel us just out of the pocket in a fact of, no expectations, no anything. And, and you know, bands go into to new records with expectations. Oh, if it doesn't sell as much as the one before, and if it doesn't cross over as much as the one before, and if, and if we don't get some form of radio, if we don't get some form of touring behind it, it's like, nope, we throw all that out the window, we just do the art, and then we see what the art brings. I haven't done anything as pure as that since probably the first Cold Chamber record or the fir first Devil Driver record, because there's always a bit of... Okay, that song is a fantastic song, but it does not fit with Devil Driver. And that's why we started talking about doing a double record later on, because there's so many things that we do that are out of the pocket, that are different from what Devil Driver normally does, that we're tired of that. And we want to put those artistic notions, artistic visions out for people and let them hear different sides of us. So, you know, don't be surprised if you get a staggered release double record after this next one, because this, you know, that's where we're at in our heads. I mean, we've already got. 15 songs for that ready now and I'll be damned if we're going to write 40 and only be able to show 12 to the public because I'm, I'm not at the age where I'm going to wait on music so now we want to go put out you know 30 songs for people 15 a record and put it out I mean I think it's important at this time in our career as well also I think I think that um, 
Uh, you, you, you mentioned a few things there that were of interest, but also the fact what you're saying, like other bands listening to it. It's like, it, you know, whether it's bands or whether it's the public and whether they get it or not. You know, some people are going to listen to this and, they, and they're not going to get it. It's not going to be for them. But even those people will be saying, but you can't knock it. This is just, it's undeniable. You know, it's a pure vision. And, oh, it is. And, it is and, you, and you're doing it. And, and I think whether, whether you like it or not, everybody respects that because ultimately that's what we all want to do we all want to do what the fuck we like correct and i have a label that affords me the opportunity to do the art that i love i have a band that is completely behind doing the art that we all love uh and and like this person will rename nameless but he's in one of the biggest bands on the planet and i got a phone call two weeks ago and it was a voicemail hey call me right away and i actually thought like okay we've either got a tour they're either offering us a tour or something's wrong I called right away when I got home, and the guy got on the phone with me, and he's, you know, he's arguably one of the biggest vocalists in the world, and he said to me, hey, I heard you're doing this thing, Outlaw Country cover record. I don't have time right now. we got a lot going on, but this is fucking fantastic, and I went into how I grew up on rockabilly, psychobilly and punk rock, and, and, you know, and goth. I grew up on goth, and I grew up on Outlaw Country out of my... I mean, the, my favorite times are my parents out in the desert. We used to ride motorcycles and them listening to those outlaw country songs and watching them and their family, you know, them and their friends drink at night. And like, these are my favorite times. And he said to me, dude, I just want to tell you what, I'm just calling you right now to tell you it's genius. And I said, you know, hey, can I share your name with everybody? The fact that you called me and said it's genius. He said, absolutely. And so the fact that I'm not sharing his name just means I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go off of that. You know, yeah. but but what it did for me, it solidified because I, I immediately put him on speakerphone because my wife was there, and <laughs> and she was and she just looked at me after the phone call. She goes, "Did you ever think you'd get that kind of a fucking phone call?" Because they've only seen that guy backstage at festivals and said hello. You know each other. You know who each other is. Obviously, did you ever think you would get that kind of phone call? I said, "No, especially not about this." So we know we're on the right track. Yeah. Um, we know we we know that 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 country people are going to dig it because it's something different, and we know that obviously the metal fans they're going to love this man because it is dark, it is heavy, it is filled with Devil Driver groove, uh, but yet we stay true to these songs that like just say so much. I mean, you don't get lyrics like "I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's heavier than any. You know, it's a Johnny Cash lyric for yeah, people who don't yeah, yeah, know. Yeah. But 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 like that's heavier than anything any black metal guy has ever written. <laughs> that's heavier. That's heavier than anything in metal I've ever heard in my entire life. And if you go into these songs, you'll hear lyrics like that that are just so poignant, so to the point, so heavy. Um, well, dude, you can't you, know, you, I, you can't get you can't ahead. get more you can't get more metal and more outlaw than doing gigs in fucking prisons. Okay, you see what I'm saying? And, yeah. and let me tell you, 15 years ago when I was wearing a Johnny Cash shirt on stage, like you know, at big festivals, metal festivals, you know, people thought I was crazy. Like yeah. people would actually come up, like, dude, that's not metal. I'd be really, you don't know shit. Like yeah. for real, you know. So look, we're excited. We're very excited. You can hear it in me. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and um, yeah. So that's that, man. It's kind of about pushing boundaries for sure. We definitely want to push boundaries. But it's interesting, as you said as well. You know, you're in that place. You're in that place in your in your career, um, and as are your bandmates. Where it's like, look, let's not fuck about here. Let's just do what we want to fucking do. Absolutely, and you know the vibe in this band at this point too. 
is so unbelievable. We're having the greatest time playing together. There hasn't been a fight or an argument, you know, in over, you know, in years at this point now. Wow. Um, and so, you know, you, you have something. I mean, head, yeah, that's a band talking, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. That's like, that, yeah, fucking that, that's, that's fucking <laughs> unusual, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, look, when you have that kind of thing happening, camaraderie happening, uh, it's just it's it's just fantastic, and we're we're like I said, we're having a great time. Oh, that's awesome! Because I know I know it's not always been like that, and you know, look, I'm, I I know myself. It's 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 hard juggling five personalities, and uh, you know, I always, I always say it's like so it's like tending a garden, and there's always there's always one flower that's doing okay, and then there's another plant that's that needs water, and then and then all of a sudden all the plants are okay, but the shed bursts into flames. Right, yeah. and you know what? To be honest, sometimes you got to walk out of that garden, and you go, okay. That plant that's just not doing well, it's turned into a fucking weed, and you pull it. And, <laughs> yeah. and literally, that's what, yeah. that's what happened to me. Uh, you know, After 12 years of, of having uh, a, a lineup that hadn't changed, uh, it, you know, no secret that my one guitar player that departed never wrote a song in 12 years or contributed, and my, my drummer and I hadn't gotten along in almost 10 years. So I called him one night when I was home, very civil, and said, look, man, we don't get along. Music is supposed to be beautiful. Traveling is supposed to be beautiful. Like, what are we doing here? Life is way too short, you know, and I live in the karma. I live in the now. And he said to me, yeah, you're right now. We don't get along. We went and did, uh, you know, Knot Fest with Slipknot, a few year, uh, few, few Australian dates, came home, and then, and then that was it. You know, no, no throwdown, no fight, no, no craziness. But it was, it was built on getting along in the first place. So if we don't get along, why are we making music? Because I'm going to tell you, at least 85% of the bands everyone's listening to right now hate each other yeah and side yeah. side side projects get spawned out of it because they hate each other yeah. uh and you 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 hear it i mean I, I i i hear it i know the bands that hate each other and they put out a new record and people critically acclaim it and i listen to the record and i go i don't feel the vibe one bit you can tell they hate each other i watch them on stage they don't even they don't even look at each other for an hour and a half and i go yeah how are people the press in particular getting behind this knowing these guys all hate each other. So I don't want to vibe like that. I'll never be in a band like that again. God knows that's what broke up Cole Chamber, you know, is, is them getting on hard drugs and this and that and not not being pro and not being proper and not treating our fans with respect. If people pay good money not to see you fucked up at a show, they want to see a proper show. And so I've always been that guy, man. And uh, and I'm proud to say that right now it's just it's a, a spectacular time to be in a band, man. You know? Yeah, no, I com I completely agree. And also, I think I think you're absolutely spot on. There are if there's one thing I can't stand, it's a lack of chem a lack of chemistry on stage. Because yes, you're you're there to perform for the audience, but if there's no chemistry on stage, there's not going to be any chemistry with the audience. Oh, but you know, to them, there's chemistry because they got paid. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. It's, and, it's, yeah. and you know, and I'm just I'm not that guy. I just I've, I've been known to pull off tours because, like, look, I don't get, we're not getting along right now. Why, the, why go out and play shows? Like, that would be ridiculous. Like, people are going to feel that. I'm going to feel that backstage, and then I'm going to go out and try to project positivity and put on some kind of a smile. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And, and look, if you're in a band and you're listening to this or reading the transcript or whatever, and you're in a band that doesn't get along, sit down with those members and pull them like weeds you yeah. know uh and, and go be happy life is so short man and um you know life is just so short to, to be unhappy yeah no absolutely and uh, and i mean I, I i i listened to a lot of the press you did around trust no one i mean i've 
um, I disguised, um, I discovered you guys um, uh, way well discovered way back on the first album i think i saw you in i think i saw you in cold check cold chamber in the astoria in london oh i love that show i have a videotape of that show videotape that'll tell you yeah what that's it's on that's, a vhs tape dude there's nothing fucking wrong with videotape man nothing wrong with that at all um, you know look you know and, and, and in that thing it's like you know, bless it, man. It's like, you know, we came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, we used to trade top ramen and live in a one-bedroom apartment, cold chamber, and we came out of nowhere and, you know, multiple gold records and traveled the world. And, and, and I watched that fall apart, man, because of drugs and no one got along and everyone wanted to fight. And I'm like, wait, where, where, how did this turn into this? You know, it, did money turn it into this or did your drug abuse turn it into this? Like, what is happening? So There's nothing worse than a good band getting torn apart by – by themselves yeah like that is the worst thing possible and, you know you, you you mentioned you were in a band and yeah and so mm-hmm. yeah you you totally get it you know and there's always kind of that one dude who wants to be a dick and now i'm just i'm the guy who's like hey look you're a dick get out of here like that's just it you know and, yeah um well I'm, so there you go no I, look i yeah. I, I totally get it because i i actually um well i was in i was in the biz i was in a thrash band in a, a uk thrash band called acid rain back in the day we put four oh, cool. we put four albums out at the height of thrash and then split in 91 and then 25 years later um uh, brought the band back but i'm the only, i'm the only original guy unfortunately couldn't the, the other four all wanted to do it but couldn't find time because of families and things like that of um, course and so i've got four new guys and and you know what the difference is night and day from being those five guys who were forced to be together back in the day to the, to these five guys who choose to be together oh man the right. difference in vibe is and so I, and different I, i've said it many times in uh in in meetings with with bands or other things that i'm doing other projects other people i'm working with if you don't want to be here leave yeah period yeah don't moan don't, you don't yeah. no yeah. no one's forcing you to come to rehearsal no one's forcing you to go on tour no one's forcing you to make a record if you don't want to be here and you can't put on a smile leave so yeah. that is a, that's an essential way of running any business which by all means a band is otherwise obviously it'll fall apart within a year or two or three um, and and for me, uh, I'm just I'm way in a place in my life where I want to be surrounded with positive people, positive and bad. Say you read press on trust no one uh, before trust no one came out. Uh, no, a lot of people in business and a lot of people around me that were absolutely negative. I I just couldn't help anymore with. I've given them you know hours of counseling about it. They they can't help themselves so i'll leave and in business if, if you're a, an asshole like i'm not going to work with you it's this life is way too short yeah yeah no I'm, absolutely somebody once told me and it was one of the most truest things i've ever heard everybody from everybody wants the same oh, hello? thing hello still here <laughs> can you got me yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah, yeah, well, I got you. yeah, yeah. Um, is, this guy said to me, "Look, you know what? The one thing everybody is looking for in business, an easy life. If you can make people's life easy, they'll deal with you. If you're an idiot, they fucking won't." You know, one hundred percent. And that's basically it. You know, there, uh, I've been doing a ton of interviews lately, and you know, the questions are always there. And like, why? You know, what what has contributed to you being in this business so long and outlasting so many other artists and bands? And I said, because I probably only have one or two enemies in the world, and they know who they are. And if I ever see them in a room alone, it's on, and that will never change. But I haven't burnt any bridges. 
There's yeah. no bridges burned. I mean, even the ex-members of any of my bands could pull over on the side of the freeway at 3 in the morning if they needed me and call me, and I would come pick them up. Now, if they don't feel that way about me, that's their problem because <laughs> yeah. I, have no pro- I have no problems. The only reason I parted ways is because you yourself had a problem. You had a drug problem. You had an aggression problem. You had a drinking problem and were an asshole every night at 3 in the morning. You know, that's why we parted ways, not because we had a problem as people or we had a problem in business. Um, and that's just that. I'm not going to let anybody come in the way of me doing my art, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I've been known to walk away from massive tours. I mean, when I left Cold Chamber, we were on the way to go tour with Kid Rock. I was going to come home with a half a million dollars. And instead, uh, you know, with, with not a lot of money in my bank account, to tell you the truth, got in, you know, left, got on an airplane, swiped my card at 30,000 feet, and told them I was never coming back. So money has never been a driving force in art for me. Yeah. It's always been a good time traveling, meeting people, talking to guys like Lee. Um, and I guess it's because of my blue-collar background that I've never gained that egotistical thing that puts me on a higher level that allows me to not look at things that way anymore. You well, know, like I've yeah. looked at guys after having five years in the industry and two records and literally been like, wait, who are, who are you now? Like, I remember when you were in a van, you used to come over and, and have a drink or, or smoke a joint with me. Like, now you won't even come to the show and I'm, I'm five minutes away because, oh, because you got some success? Like, yeah. I've watched people change in this business. I, will, I refuse to change. I refuse. And my family refuses to let it happen to me, too. My wife would never put up with that shit in a million years. Well, as he just said right now. I just heard it. Yeah, I heard it. Well, you know what? It's, it's, you're a contradiction in terms, man. You're a blue-collar artist. You see that? That, to me, is, is almost like a contradiction, you know? It's, um, but it's great. Well, guys that, guys that I grew up on and listened to were all that. Guys like Leaving from Fear. Guys like Johnny Cash. And, yeah. and it didn't matter if Johnny was... It didn't matter if Johnny had, you know, $5 million in the bank. He was still going to wear black because, you know, until, until the human condition got better on, on this planet, he was going to wear black to show, you know, every man how he felt about how people were being treat, treated, you know. And uh, I had a, a, a guy, a neighbor actually of mine said, you know, Des, you know, shouldn't you live in a, in a gated community? Like, you know, aren't you tripped out? You live in a, a blue-collar area and, you know, there's people playing, kids playing in the street. And so I said, no, I wouldn't have it any other way, man. Yeah. I raised my kids like that. I didn't send my kids to private schools even though I could. No way. Yeah. I, I want them to be raised like how I was raised. And actually not how I was raised because I ran <laughs> away from home. And, yeah. you know, I, I got beat by my stepfather and ran away from home. And they've had a great life compared to what I had. But I wanted them to have a normal life. Um, well, you've got you to bring not, your kids up in the go, world because that's where they're going to live. Oh, man. And now, you know, now I got 19, 22, 25. They're my best friends, all, all three of my sons. I raised amazing men. Uh, I'm a Freemason. I'm getting ready to take several of them to lodge for the first time two weeks from now. Oh, bare breasts and all that? Uh, you know, I, however, whatever you think it is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, right, uh, right, okay. <laughs> you know? All right, I, can only speak, I can only speak on certain things. But, but, but my point is they're, they're great men. I've raised great, great boys, yeah. and they're never, uh, you know, they weren't privileged individuals. It was like, Dad, I need a car. It's like, great, whatever you save, I'll match, you know, the right. way that I was yeah. raised, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, and, and so I guess that this conversation, part and parcel, is the reason why there's so many people also coming to work with us on this record, why I've maintained uh, who I am without 
keeping some strange egotistical celebrity status out there as well. And yeah. and, I, and I'm grateful, man. I've got a lot of people behind me that have been listening to me for years, um, and I'm I'm not going to let them down, and I'm not going to let anybody around me uh, let them down. So you you got to be on your p's and q's if you're going to work with me. Absolutely, man. Well, look, uh, you know, who knows? One day, maybe we, uh, maybe we will work together. But right now, um, I've got to, I've got to run off and do a comedy show. So, uh, ah, okay, have fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool, man. Well, that's that's what I did for the the, the twenty uh, twenty years intervening with uh, with the band. So, um, uh, that look, is it, the hardest job ever. And let me ask you a question because yeah. we were just talking about this. Going out and making people laugh is the hardest thing in the world. But uh, they say that comedians are actually the most depressed people in real life. So maybe you can shed some light on this. Like, are you um, that guy? Are you are you dark and depressed, and that's why you do comedy? Or are you just a funny, happy guy, and that's why you want to do comedy? I, well, you know what? I I think it's uh, I think it's more the latter. I mean, I I know plenty of comics who are who are fucking miserable to be around, and I try not to share a dressing room too often with them. But um, but it, it you know what? I that I that is a bit of a cliche. Um, but yeah, it's it's like any industry. There's a mixture of those two, and there's a lot of people. In fact, there's more people who are in the middle of that than there is at those two extremes. I mean, hey, let's put it this way: in music, when you finish a song, even if it's good or it's bad or it was total shit, people will at least applaud. When you yeah. finish a joke, if they don't laugh, you're fucked. That yeah, <laughs> that that and yeah, that and you're on your fucking own. You yeah, know, you I mean, can't. You, brave, it's, yeah. look, man, it's a. That's a brave sport to be in, man. <laughs> the sport of humor. Thank you know, that's uh, like fucking uh, bullfighting, really. So you know, cool. good luck. Good luck to you, man. You oh, know, man. that's a that's a brave thing. Ah, uh, no worries. Like, after twenty years, man, I, 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 you know, it's taken me that long to uh, to really enjoy it. But I'd, I'd like to say. Um, you know, after 20 years, I'm not shit. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know what? Let me tell you something. After 23, 24 years, I'm not shit either. So welcome <laughs> to the club, brother. Awesome. <laughs> we'll do a side project called We're Not Shit. Um, We're not shit. Yeah, yeah, we'll just do punk rock covers. <laughs> Done. Okay. All right, man. Look, I'll send you a link when this goes up and um, uh, have a lovely day. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm going to go finish the day in California here. <laughs> And uh, look, man, great talking to you. Choose you too, man. Take care. Take take care, bro. See ya. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you didn't, fuck you. Um, that was a that was a great. Uh, yeah, it was just really nice way to spend. 30, 40 minutes chatting to Des. Um, we, we finished up on comedy there. Um, just telling us all about his country stuff. Well, you, you know, you heard the interview, but it was, uh, yeah, it was nice to sort of go off on a tangent towards the end there. And, um, yeah, uh, I'm sure the, um, I'm sure the side project, um, we're not shit, will be uh, seeing seeing the light of day uh, sometime, never. But um, it's it was a nice idea, if nothing else. Now, um, now this is um, this is uh, you know a music podcast. Um, in case you know you were wondering if you got this far in and thought, what the fuck is this? Um, this is a music uh, a music podcast. And it, it, it it occurred to me the other day that. Um, I haven't really been doing my job and um, and and talking about what I'm listening to at the moment and sort of any recommendations or anything like that because I know a few of you have said you know what you're listening to and you'd like to know so anyway um, what I've been listening to at the moment really really enjoying um, uh, the new Mastodon album uh, Emperor of Sand um, love it I know I know it's not everyone's cup of tea um, and that's that's perfectly understandable but for me it's rocking it was um it was our album of of, of 
the tour. It'll always remind me of um, of, uh, of our uh, of our tour of the UK, the April Fool's tour. Um, just some awesome melody lines on there, and I yeah, I absolutely love it. So um, for fans of Mastodon, yeah, look, I think they're always worth giving a listen to. I wasn't I wasn't I, I wasn't a big fan of the last album, Once More Around the Sun, but I, I do prefer this one. So um, so there you go. That's that's my take on it. Um, Another artist who I uh, who I rather like is um, is Frank Carter. Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. I loved the um, I loved the album Blossom. I came to it rather late, but um, um, this year we've had Modern Ruin, and um, it's different to Blossom. Blossom is extremely hard and in your face. At times, it's almost like it reminds me a bit of original um, Rage Against the Machine, but punkier. But it's a great album. Um, and Modern Ruin is 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 a, is a very good album too. It's but it's it's more indie, definitely more tuneful, but in places just as intense. There's awesome musicianship as uh, as there always is, and um, um, I really do suggest having a listen to uh, to some of Frank's stuff because both albums I I I like equally, but for completely different reasons. And I always think that is. Um, that's the sign of a, a seriously good band. So, you know, as I said, g- give them a whirl. Um, uh, and another album that I'm, that I'm loving at the moment um, is the new He Is Legend album. Um, it is absolutely superb. And um, I wish I could remember the bloody name of it. Um, that is really annoying. Okay, I'm going to go online here. Um, this is incredibly sad because I've got the album, I've got the CD, um, I've, and I've got the CDs of all albums uh, that I just mentioned. Um, but he is legend. I'm really sorry about this. I've got it on my, um, I've got it on my phone as well. But for some reason, um, it's yeah, it, it, it's not. Um, uh, it does. It doesn't recognise the album. It recognises the songs, and it's no. It's he. It knows it's he is legend. Few. That's it. Few, no. Oh, that sounded like oh, few. I found. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. No. Not oh, few. I found the title. The title is few. F E W. Um. Great band. In fact, I'm. I'm. I'm probably going to put a song on at the end of the podcast. I'm going to have to do some research because um, I'm recording this one in bits. I'm up north at the moment. Yeah, in bits, as in I'm in bits. I've been made redundant. It's all about me. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm up north at the moment. Um, I, just for just to throw this out there. It's absolutely fucking roasting at the moment. You could. Fuck- but anyway, um, you don't want to hear about my crotch pot cooking. Um, <laughs> So um, yeah. By the way, if there's any sort of if you if you if this doesn't run smoothly, and if you think oh this seems a bit, it's because I, I, for some reason the cable keeps falling out, and it's really annoying me. But anyway, I will try and get some um, some here's legend on the end of the uh, podcast. Few F E W. I don't know how to describe them. Are they metal? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, are they? I, I don't know. They're a bit like a bit like the Deftones, but they're not like the Deftones. But I'm using the Deftones as a um, as a flagpole because they're kind of like, yeah, Deftones-y ish. Because Deftones can be damn heavy but damn tuneful. Um, um, his legend uh, uh, maybe a little bit more indie. Um, but I, uh, seriously, I'm, well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some on the end of the podcast and um, and see see what you guys think. Um, well, I'm going to try and put some at the end of the podcast. I promise. Um, new Living Colour album coming out this year. 
um, yeah, not really bothered. Um, and um, uh, heard the new Dead Cross uh, song. Now, did say to you that I thought some of it would be great, some of it would be shit, and somebody would be, yeah, yeah, you know, it'd either be great or shit. Um, yeah, it's, it's not great. Not great. Let's let's leave it for the album. But I I just hate it when Patton spends all his time doing his wee 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 doing all his pig squealing and stuff. The guy's got one of the greatest voices ever, and sometimes I just feel like he just throws it in the fucking bin. Um, I'd kill for that voice. Um, who am I kidding? I'd fucking kill for Lady Gaga's voice. <laughs> um. Uh, shall I shall I mention what I think about that again? Because everybody else seems to still be talking about it. Stop it, Howard! Stop it! Um, most hilarious band name I've seen this month: Unleash the Archers. Yeah, not the not named after the long running long running British um, uh, radio soap opera. Unleash the Archers. Really? Who turns up to practice and goes, guys? Got the band name sorted it's done you can stop worrying really what is it unleash the archers get out get out fuck off you're no longer in the band and it's and by the way that band you're no longer in is never going to be called unleash the archers you want to know why because it's we're not a film you fucking dick unleash the archers seriously yeah, fuckhead here will probably end up with a, on a on a bill with them at some point. I'm like, I'm like, hey guys, you sounded great. Love the name. Um, so uh, I, I am a bit of a tosser on. I'm a lot of a tosser. Anyway, um, aren't we all? So um, look, the next interview is with David Gielke. I think David, if you're listening, I think that's right. If it's not, I apologise. Um, his next interview is with David Gielke, who has written Damn the Machine, which I have right here. Have a listen. That's me freaking through the pages of a notepad that is next to the telephone. Um, the book's upstairs, but I fucking got it. That's what's most important, all right? Um, I'm about uh, 175 pages into it. About that's just a rough pick that figure out of the air. Could be 161 pages. Could be 168. I, I I don't know. I don't care. Whatever. But uh, let's say 175 round figure. Like it. Um, and um, and it's great. It, it's absolutely great. It's great because Carl gets his say and the bands get their say and Carl gets his say and bands get. By the way, Carl is Carl Walterback who owned Noise and you'll hear all about all of this in this next interview. Um, and, um, and I've got to thank Joe Demby of the uh, Gully and Joe um, uh, podcast, The Rock Show. Uh, don't listen to it, all right? Don't listen to it. It's rubbish. <laughs> it's not. It's great. Um, and they are top lads. And if you've got room for another podcast, make sure you subscribe to theirs. And if you haven't, do it anyway, because they're nice guys and they deserve, another, they deserve more listeners. So um, they don't plug this show, but that's how nice a kind of guy I am, you know? Um <laughs> Um, I know you do. So anyway, look, Joe, um, Joe Demby messaged me and was like, oh, you know, have you seen this book? And I hadn't heard of it. But me, my mind working the way it works, and because I'm always thinking of you guys, um, I suddenly thought, do you know what? That guy would be a fascinating guy to interview. So I searched, 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 and actually this interview takes place before the book arrives. Um, but um, I emailed David thinking, oh, I hope I can get this interview. And he emailed me back and went, yeah, I, I know Acid Rain. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, lovely guy. We've kept on uh, exchanging emails and stuff. And um, 
uh, yeah, just uh, an absolutely top, top dude. And uh, we had a really good chat. Here it is. And make sure you get Damn the Machine. Uh, it's about 20 quid on Amazon. It's, it's absolutely worth it. It's 500 pages. It's got some awesome pictures in it. What do I sound like? It's got some good pictures in it. And not too many big words. So it should should be just fine for my listeners. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, again, insulting people who listen. It's not a good idea. You know I love you. It's just sometimes the mouth... The mouth says what the mouth wants. The brain, meh, it's somewhere else. This is me and David Gielke talking a couple of weeks ago. Okay, let's get some more international chat on the way. Um, could I sound any more Alan Partridge? Hello, David. How's it going? Uh, very well, how are you? I'm doing great. Excellent. Um, well, thanks for agreeing to do this. Very good of you. Yeah, no, seriously, thanks for reaching out. I appreciate it. You're going to have to tell me your interactions uh, with Carl when uh, when our chat concludes. <laughs> you mean you mean off the record? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd like. <laughs> uh, I, to, to be honest, uh, they're, they're, they're absolutely minimal. Um, I, in fact, I, in fact, I can tell you on the record. Um, he um he he rang me up um uh, when we we I mean we sent a, we sent the Moshkinstein demo out to tons of people um yeah. and um uh, and music for nations sort of you know were in the process of already drawing a contract by the time I got a call from Carl um uh when I was living when I was I was still living at home and I, you know I was like 17 at this point right and um and Carl rang up and said um look we you know we'd be interested in um in signing you guys and I was I, I you know I said well we're we're about to sign with Music for Nations and he was like oh you know it's it's taken me it, it and he, he there and then he kind of went well it's taken me months to get round to listening to the tape um oh. so I was like well you know you snooze you lose <laughs> <laughs> you were on what was it under one flag or was it Music Nations direct. Um, it was under one flag. It was the. Oh, yes, you're on a subsidiary. Okay. That, that's right. Yeah. I mean, basically, um, it, you know, it was a brand more than anything else. Under one flag was thrash. Rough Justice was kind of hardcore. Um, right. I uh, remember Rough Justice, man. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there, then there was food, food for Thought with Joe Satriani and people like that one. Oh. Wow. Snapshot in time. Yeah. That was all. 30 years ago it's amazing it's amazing there was there was a, there was a point where um where I where I was label mates with Joe Satriani um and Chuck Skulldiner all at the same time <laughs> yeah but death right Chuck Schuldner, yeah amazing yeah and that all I mean yeah and that was around the time of of the the uh, the failed European tour when when the band came over without Chuck yeah, that's right. That was around what was that leprosy? I think they all like Terry Butler and Rick Ross and those guys came over without Chuck. And yeah, that's when when they came back and fired him after that. I think as legend has it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it was. Uh, I mean, the label was really pissed at the time because. Um, well, I, I remember when they had spiritual healing out, and you know, the label manager Andy Black at the time was saying, you know, we're we're selling shitloads of this, and we'd sell even more if we could only get them to fucking tour. Yeah, right. But yeah, um, you know, that was 
tough stretch. Yeah, he was always indifferent about touring. From, from what I read, I've never spoken with him. Well, obviously, he's no longer with us, but I, I never spoke with him personally. But from what I read, he was always iffy about touring. He was sort of lukewarm on the idea anyway. Yeah, very much so. I mean, um, I mean, I know, I know uh, Gene Gene Hogland very well, and um, yeah. I mean, he 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 had a great time in death. I mean, you know, he's, he always said to me, it's like, you know, it was, it was it was really cool, and all the stuff he'd heard about Chuck, he never really he never really understood, and then um, uh, he had the best time uh, until the last month in the band, which was one of the worst times. So, you know, yeah. uh, it was just just one of those things, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, like, like we were saying, what a what a crazy time in uh, in metal. At least uh, those were the days, you know. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, we 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 only. I mean, our, our first tour. Well, I, I probably about our first three or four tours were all on all on tour buses. You know, yeah. it's just yeah, which which I mean, you know, when I'm when I talk to bands now, their jaws hit the floor. It's like you were on a bus. It was like. Dude, we thought we thought buses we thought buses was entry level. Yeah, <laughs> nowadays it, it costs you a mini fortune to to run a bus and get one on tour. You have to take a van. Well, it, days if you're if you're not anywhere above mid level. Yeah, well, I think it's all relative. Do you know what? I think it, I think it, it costs it pro rata in relativity. It probably costs the same. It's just that everyone's yeah. earning a lot less. That they are, yeah. And the competition back then. I mean, the, the UK thrash. You know, a lot of you guys did well, but you got, you know, the you guys never blew up the way the scene over here did in America or the German thrash scene did. But you guys still did well enough to do those type of things, like you and Zentrix and Sabbath, of course, and uh, down the line we go. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm sat staring at a. Uh, a, a tour poster live in concert 1989 nuclear assault candle mass dark angel acid rain um, what a bill huh yeah i know across that that was throughout that was through germany um and that was the wow. and that was the proper messiah marcolin candle mass days as well yeah right right when they were at their peak yeah absolutely oh we we ev- everybody was at their peak all the time back you know back then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, you you lucked out. You were you were there for all that. Uh, I'm I'm only 34, so um, I was a wee bit too young for that stuff. This but it makes me I'm I'm so green when with envy when people tell me about these things. I wish I you know time travel was available so I can go back and be 18 years old and actually live all that stuff. Yes, I I know you wish time travel was available as opposed to you wish you were 47. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's I, I understand that, man. That's and well, I, that's really interesting. I didn't realize you were in inverted commas so young. Um, so what? What? I mean, obviously, we'll you know we'll get onto the book and and all all the rest of it, obviously, because that's why we're talking. But yeah. um, what you know, what first attracted you to the scene, and how did you end up end up becoming so immersed in it that you know you you end up writing a book on a on a label that was probably uh, you know irrelevant by the time you were a teenager yeah it's interesting i got into metal when i was i think 10 or 11 so i just missed that cutoff especially over here in the states when new metal got popular and so you know when corn and limp biscuit got really popular but i got into it when megadeth metallica pantera sepultura slayer were still around so they became my favorite bands and so when the new metal boon happened i hated those bands i hated corn i hated limp biscuit all those Bands And because I was what you want to call a tried and true metal guy, I just started to work my way backwards. You know, you start at the top with the most obvious bands. Then, you know, you go through Maiden and Priest and that leads you to power metal. Power metal leads you to German thrash. German thrash leads you to UK thrash, 
leads you to death metal. So I just worked my way backwards. And over time, I mean, it's just been a lifelong obsession of mine. And then I think I was around 18 or 19. And on a whim, I just sent a guy an email. It was a small magazine here in the States called Throat Culture. I emailed the guy saying, are you looking for writers? I'd love to you know, contribute. And sure enough, he agreed. And that, that's how I got my start. And ever since then, which was about 2001 or 2002, I have been writing for zines and magazines and just really been immersed in the, in the whole scene. But yeah, to your point, when, when noise, when I really got into the scene around, you know, 2001, 2002, noise was just a total afterthought. We only knew of noise over here really for what they used to do, not what they were currently doing. And, uh, over time, as I got older, the more I got into Halloween and Celtic Frost and Creator and Sabbath and Skyclad and those type of bands, then you start to learn a little bit more about those bands and their history with the label. And the one thing that really piqued my interest was Tom G. Warrior put out a book in the year 2000 that really detailed Hellhammer's early career as well as, as, well as Celtic Frost's career. And throughout that whole book, Tom G. Warrior just lampoons Carl the entire time. So then you like the little light bulb goes off in your head, like, wow, what's up with this label noise records. And then uh, you start to learn more about Halloween. Didn't particularly enjoy their time with, with noise, same with creator. It's like, what, how, how are all these great bands who have done so much all have the same sentiment about one label. And so that's what really got me interested in noise records. And um, you may ask this question coming up, but, you know, how did I how did I end up doing the book was that Carl, after selling noise in 2001, he took some time off away from the scene. But then he reemerged in 2010 as a band manager. And I kept on seeing his name associated with the bands he was managing and just. I just took a chance one day and I, I sent him an email at random saying, hey, I'm, I'm a longtime fan of your label. Uh, I like the band you're currently managing, but I'm also uh, I'm huge fans of the stuff you used to do. Uh, would you like to set up an interview? And he agreed. And he and I spoke for about two or three hours one day. And I remember getting off Skype with him, then going to my wife saying, uh, this guy's remarkable. He's, a, he's an amazing storyteller. He'd be perfect to do a book about based on his experiences in the music industry as well as his band's. And so that ultimately is what led me to ask Carl for permission to create the authorized noise story. And he turned me down a handful of times because I don't think he was comfortable with the idea of an American doing it. One that he didn't know, uh, as well as uh, he didn't really have a set idea on how I was going to do the book. And so eventually I came up with a good proposal on how to do it with you know, detailing his background as a squatter in Berlin as well as his early days running uh, the AGR, Aggressive Rock Production Label, then that, of course, led to noise. And he agreed with the proposal, but I also had the one term of the deal was that we had to interview his bands as well. And to Carl's credit, he agreed to doing that. And Carl <laughs> went into the whole thing knowing that his bands were going to badmouth him. Yeah. And they were going to say nice things about him. So credit where credit is due, because that's a very egoless thing, you know, agreeing to have a book written about yeah. the label, but also knowing that the bands on the same token are going to have exactly positive things to say. So anyone can say whatever they want about Carl, but at least from my standpoint, uh, the creation of the book showed me that he was really, you know, he, he cast his ego to the side for the sake of telling the story of his label. And well, that that's interesting. I mean, I mean... 
I, I, as you know, I've ordered a copy of the book. I haven't read it yet. I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. I can't wait. Um, well, I'll have to wait because it's in the post because I ordered the phys- <laughs> ordered the physical version as opposed to the um, Kindle version. Um, one one thing I've got to ask is is, and I don't want to spoil, you know, I don't want to like give give anything away from the book. But it, is there any is, is there any re- um, kind of regret the way the way he dealt with bands? What what he did? Um, because you know, ultimately, when everybody is slagging you off. You know, there comes a point where you go, well, actually, maybe it's me, not them. Yeah, that's that's something I thought of quite a bit throughout the creation of, of the book because, you know, there were a handful of bands. Let's get this out. There were a bunch of bands who did have positive experiences with Carl. Let's, I don't want to cast it as to where everyone had a negative experience on noise records. Running Wild enjoyed their time with the label Voivod. Did as well, you know, two of the ones I could think of off that corner. They had their ups and downs. For the most part, I would say it was a pretty positive relationship. But in terms of regrets on Carl's end, I don't think he had too many regrets from a personal standpoint. He saw it as a business enterprise. He never invested his ba- invested in his bands the way Brian Slagle does of Metal Blade or maybe Marcus Steiger does of Nuclear Blast. Meaning that Carl was never friends with any of his bands. Yeah. They weren't going out to dinner. They weren't, you know, being invited to birthday parties or, or things like that. Uh, Carl saw it as a business first type of deal, and I think that's where a lot of the resentment stands from. You know, these bands were really young. They were looking to get into the industry. They were looking for someone to guide them, and that's just not Carl. And that's not in his personality. And he'd be the first one to tell you that. Right. And so the way when you're dealing with a guy, and I know Howard, of course, you've dealt with label people throughout your career as well. You know, you're dealing with a guy who's very, I don't know if I want to say cold, but he's very, very straightforward, matter of fact, take it or leave it. Well, you mean, and, you mean, you mean he's, you mean he's German. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you have that aspect to it as, as well. But let's not forget a lot of the bands on label were German. Too, oh, yeah. oh so. absolutely. It's just that while you were describing that, I was thinking this, this sounds like every German I know. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, so with that, uh, you know, if you're a young band and you're struggling, you're not making a lot of money, yet you are selling albums, you're going on tours, you're making a lot of fans, yet the contract that you signed and the contract that you signed without reading it, which yeah. unfortunately a lot of bands admitted to me, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not paying you in accordance to how you think you should be, yeah, that's where the resentment's going to come in. Yeah, and over time, that that's where a lot of that built. I mean, Celtic Frost is a prime example. They were critical darlings once to make Ethereum and into Pandemonium rolled around. And of course, early Hellhammer, everyone hated them. You know, the critics did at least. They slagged them endlessly. But you know, Celtic Frost were doing solid numbers. They were drawing a fair amount of people at their shows. Yeah, they didn't have anything to show for it. Same. If we want to go a step further, we can look at Halloween, who were the biggest selling noise band. They were the first noise band to sell seven figures and they still weren't making a great deal of money. So they thought, well, hey, we're, we're selling you know quite a few records. We're selling out shows. Why aren't we being paid in accordance to that? And so automatically, of course, that's human nature. You are going to resent the person who is in charge of your own fate. So, so yeah, yeah. Really, that's really the crux of, of why there's, there's so much uh, animosity towards Carl was the fact that he wasn't a friendly uh, nice business guy he was a very 
very straightforward business first type of label owner. Yes, and to be fair, Halloween's Halloween's problems were exacerbated by Rob Smallwood coming along and deciding to sign them to EMI, despite the fact uh, they were still in despite the fact they were still in a record contract. See, you didn't even read the book, and you you nailed it. That's that's exactly what happened. That's a big chunk of, of one of the chapters. Um, Carl was terrified, and once once Keeper One had its run, once they finished the touring cycle, Carl was terrified of a major label coming along and stealing help. Halloween out from under him, and he was already worried about it uh, around 87 and 88. So, as the story goes, you know, Rod Smallwood, Iron Maiden's manager, comes along, is very interested in Halloween because they're sort of seen as the unofficial successor to Maiden, the band that would carry melodic metal into the 90s. Yeah. And, uh, yes, uh, you know, their contract, Halloween's contract with Noise was pretty iron-bound. It's very difficult to get out of, which what explains why very few, if any, noise bands were able to get out of their deal. Yeah. But lo and behold, you know, Rod uh, signed them to EMI, even though Halloween was still bound to their noise deal for another two or three albums. And Carl took legal action, and that started the domino effect. You can start yeah. with, you know, Kai Hansen leaving the band in late 1988, and then uh, in later in 1989 when... Halloween signs at EMI. That's that's what started their downfall. So yeah, bingo. That's Halloween did exasperate their own situation, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, well, I remember all this at the time. I know our manager was friends with Rod Smallwood, so he, I mean, we 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 talked about it at the time, and he was saying like it, it's nuts, it's absolutely crazy. But I mean, I'm 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 a Yorkshireman, and so is Rod Smallwood, and I know I know I know Yorkshiremen like Rod Smallwood, and it's like oh, I don't fucking care if you sign to another record label, you fucking sign into EMI, and that's the end of it. <laughs> And um, yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it came back to bite everyone in the ass. But as is so often the case in these situations, the the real losers are the band themselves. Yes. You know, EMI doesn't lose anything; they just have to wait a little while for the band to get through with the legal dealings. Um, noise don't lose anything because, well, they lose the band, but they're they're going to get financially compensated anyway. Sure. Carl definitely get compensated very much. So, you know, the as he told it to me, the initial offer he gave to Sanctuary slash Rod Small was astronomical, but it was astronomical on purpose because Carl yeah. was projecting. You know what Halloween would eventually become had they capitalized on Keeper of the Seven Keys Part One and Two. He was thinking album number four would sell upwards of maybe five to six million units. So he asked for a figure of what he thought would be in line with that. Yeah, yeah. And Sanctuary balked at it at first, and so you know a few more months ensued of legal legal wrangling, and eventually they settled on a figure that uh, Carl did get paid. Carl slash Modern Music, which was Noise's uh, parent company, got yeah. got paid out pretty well. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. Noise may have lost Halloween, but uh, they did at least get something in return for them. Yeah, absolutely. And it would have given Carl a financial footing that he wouldn't have had before as well. Yeah, so, exactly. which you know, in theory, enables him to to take a few more chances with the label as well. And and right. and going back to what you said, actually, I mean, about you know bands not signing. I, I'm I'm on this podcast. I've I've been a, a real advocate of well, ultimately, if you get screwed by a label. It's your fault. When we signed, yeah. when we signed to Under One Flag, I was seventeen years old, but I went and got a music lawyer to look over our contract before we signed it. I mean, I, and I was seventeen years old, and I, I'm I'm not a fucking genius, but I'm not right. an idiot either. And right. you, do, you you don't sign contracts whether it's for 
you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, even even at that age, you're aware of the stories of people signing record contracts that they shouldn't do. And, you know, it, it absolutely boggles my mind that, you know, that people can, you know, who are desperate to, to, to get their band you know, into the public, uh, into the public eye, are so willing to sign absolutely anything without even you know reading it properly, um, and, and then years later uh, complaining about it. That was a recurring. That was a recurring theme throughout the book. All of Noise's key bands, Gravedigger, Celtic Frost, and Halloween, and Creator. Maybe the one exception may have been Running Wild, actually, because Rolf Kasparik said to me in the book that they actually played hardball with Carl and negotiated their deal to be a little bit more favorable with the band. But the quotes scattered throughout the book are basically all the same. We never bothered to read our contract or we knew shit about record deals. Well, then sure enough, five, six years down the line when those bands were having success on noise, uh, they, they can only look at their initial contract that they signed and, and see that you know the, the terms of the deal, that they were pretty standard for the time, as Carl will tell you. But by, by no means were these bands making a great deal of money in accordance with their record sales. So, yeah, I mean, you said it best. These bands all could have hired a, a lawyer or at least found somebody to look at it. But, you know, sometimes the idea of getting out of your small home, hometown and making an album sort of supersedes the idea of actually taking a step back and having someone look at your contract. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I get that and youthful enthusiasm and all the rest of it. But by the same token, as you said there, you know, you've got people saying we knew shit about contracts, then might be an idea to not fucking sign it until you do. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a prime example. That's what Carl will tell you, too. I mean, none of these bands, he'll tell you, he'll be the first one to tell you. None of these bands were forced to sign with Noise Records. You know, I mean, Carl, Carl gave them what was a standard deal at the time and uh, these bands signed. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm ultimately, look, I've, I, you know, I haven't been in the position where um, I've signed a contract that's, you know, enslaved me or at least give, given away my, um, you know, given away rights to music for years and all the rest of it. And I'm sure I'd feel um, uh, very bitter about it and all the rest of it. By the same token, I'd like to think if I was in that position, I'd be self-introspect, you know, I'd, I'd have enough self-awareness and be introspective enough to realise that ultimately it's my fault. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of these bands will, will tell you that they rushed into things too, too soon and uh, that they probably would admit they would have done things a little bit differently had they, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So, uh, you know, you can't go back, unfortunately, but the lessons learned, you know, the old adage is if you can get through your first uh, music industry contract, you're well on your way. And, and thankfully, you know, a lot of these noise bands did make it through their initial noise contracts. And then they, of course, one of the other labels, very few of them actually re-signed with noise. Well, to be honest as well, I mean, I was just thinking about it when you were talking there. I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm sat here saying, oh, you know, I got my record contract looked over and blah, 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 blah. But by the same token, our career lasted three albums, whereas all of the bands that you've mentioned, yeah, they may have had really bad deals initially, but they, they're all still going. They've all kept going and they've all got pretty you know, respectable careers. I'd certainly swap my place with them. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah, we, we didn't get fucked over, but we also didn't get the, 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 the kind of success that any of them did in the end. So I guess it, you know, it, it, it you know, it, it does it, you know, long term, it's, it's actually worked out. Okay. Yeah. Re- remarkably. So 
though, and I think that's that's attributed to a few things. Number one, these bands are just great in, in themselves. I mean, Halloween is, I mean, this goes without saying, Halloween and Creator and, and Running Wild and Celtic Frost, who are now Trypticon. Uh, we can go Grave, Grave Digger, even though they broke up, then reformed in, in 1993. Yeah. They, they did it on, on their own merit. I mean, their music has stood the test of time, but also attributes to the fact that Carl knew what he was doing when he was signing bands. He had, he had an eye for talent. I mean, he, he often had just had a gut instinct. He could listen to a band for maybe a few minutes and he could tell you if it was worth signing or not. And uh, I think that sort of attributes to why uh, a lot of Carl's key noise signings are still around today. And it's, it's sort of unprecedented. If you think about the independent labels that came up through the eighties, uh, you know, at least on the in the European side, that Noise's track record is probably better than all of them because Roadrunner really didn't hit its stride until the 1990s. SPV was was okay in in the 80s. Century Media and Nuclear Blast really didn't get going until the 90s either, and yeah. that leaves Noise. And so I, I I I've always stopped, clung to this statement that Noise was probably the best independent European metal label of the 1980s. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll add into that, uh, you know, Music for Nations Under One Flag, etc. Because, yeah, um, because, well, well, ultimately, um, you know, it, they they were very much about just licensing a uh, product that was coming over from Combat, um, and right. so, uh, you know, it, it was really it was just a bit of a licensing house. I mean, every album got the same routine, you know, full page advert, um, you know, yada yada yada. Uh, but the buzz. Uh, was coming from the states and all of the so it's literally a case of well all you need to do is make sure this is in the shops and people will buy it whereas whereas and uh, you know they'd admit this themselves but music for nations you know um track record when it came to um actually signing acts directly to the label was was absolutely abysmal um you know and and i include i include my own band in that (laughs) um you know so it ultimately yeah and and i also take it as a compliment because he you know he tried to sign us so you know who knows who knows what would have happened Um, yeah who knows you're right but i know um uh i i i I mean i'm very good friends with andy sneep and um we've spoken we've spoken about carl um in the past as well and 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 andy you know he's, he's much like myself you know he's 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 a bit of a, a, a wheeler and dealer, a bit of a businessman himself, obviously. Um, and as, as he says now, you know, he'll always say, "Look, it was it was our you know our fault. We should have got the bloody contract looked at by somebody. Who, they did have their contract looked at, but it was by a lawyer, not by a musical lawyer." Yeah, and that's what that's exactly what Andy told me in the book. And Andy was just a great guy to talk to, very forthcoming about Sabbath's career. Yeah, he said it. He said it himself. He wasn't. He was barely old enough to sign his his Sabbath contract. They brought it. I think you guys have the music, musicians' union. Over That's there. right. Uh, yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. Yeah. So he had the musicians' union look at it, and they told him, "Don't sign this." But you know, he, he said that no one else was calling about Sabbath. No one else had taken interest. He had he had solicited them to all the other metal independents, and Carl was the only one to pick up the phone and give them a call. And so that was sort of his rationale for signing uh, the, the early Sabbath deal at the time was the fact yeah. that no one else was there but Noise. And yeah, the Musicians Union wasn't too keen on the deal, but Sabbath went ahead and signed it anyway. So yeah, Sabbath would be a, a good example of that. And again, another band whose legacy has only increased as the years gone by. But when they were, and you know this firsthand, Howard, when they were going in the, in the late 80s, it, it was tough for them. You know, it was tough being a UK thrash band <laughs> at the time. For as great as their albums were, 
you know, they were they were always in the shadow of some of the German and American bands. Well, our our second ever gig was supporting Sabbath, and uh, um, nice. and uh, yeah, and 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 the weird thing is, we 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 always got along really well. I mean, I was I I went to Andy Sneap's surprise eighteenth birthday party. <laughs> Nice. Um, uh, yeah, it's, and um, and um, uh, you know, it was we always got along really well, and I guess it was because um, there was there was a kinship there because they were the absolute opposite of what we were. Um, yeah. You know, we we didn't give a shit and we just had a laugh, whereas they were all about the seriousness and the costumes and everything else. So I I, I think it was kind of like it, it, I you know at that age when when you mix with your peers. There is always an air of yeah, but they're the competition, um, yeah. And and you keep your cards close to your chest because we were both the opposite ends of the scale. We we just got on as friends because we just didn't see we didn't we didn't see each other as peers because we were so massively different from each other. You really were different, and, and that's part of the reason what drew Carl to Sabbath was their image. You know, they had this yeah. pagan. Well, it's very club. German. It's very German. Yeah. I mean, I mean they very, and they had that ger, they had that German kind of sound as well. They really did too, especially with Martin's vocals because he's got that monosyllabic bark. You know? Yeah, and absolutely. Then, oh, yeah, it's totally yeah. I mean, only Martin Walker sounds like Martin Walker. You can pick him out from you know eight hundred vocalists in a lineup easily, and that's what drew Carl to, to Sabbath. The imagery Carl was always in the bands who had a good image behind them, and uh, Sabbath definitely had that. And then when you combine it with Andy's riffing, I mean, he's an unbelievable guitar player and songwriter, and Martin's lyrics too. I mean, he's one of the most brilliant lyric- lyricists in all of metal. And uh, that really made Sabbath uh, truly ahead of their time. But yeah, like you were saying, it was it was it was really tough for them to to get ahead in, in that climate. Yeah, I mean, you know, they. I mean, I, we we were, um, you know, we did a few European tours. They did more than us because obviously their 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 label was based in Germany. But we got a lot of really good UK stuff, uh, which, yeah. which 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 they didn't get because they were on a label in Germany. You know, it's it's, <laughs> right, it's right. like you know, it's ups and downs, swings and roundabouts. And I mean, you know, the UK scene all disappeared in about a month. I mean, we we split up. Um, I think Sabbath split up the week after that, and Onslaught split up the week after that, um, and it was you know yeah. the whole the whole thing was done in about a month. Yeah, and Noise had another uh, UK thrash band. Remember Dam D A M Destruction and Mayhem. Oh, well, well that? they they supported us on our. Um, we did an album called Obnoxious, and they supported us on our headline UK tour, which was oh, nice. like about thirty dates or something. So yeah, know them very very well. Yeah, another good band who, um, again, sort of got lost in the shuffle. I think their second album, what was Inside Out, was a little bit better than it, than the first one. But, yeah, I, again, you're, you're totally right about the UK thrash scene. It, it really, between you guys, Onslaught, Sabbath, uh, Damn, yeah, Zentrix, you know, it never, yeah. never quite took off the way it should have. Well, I, you know, again, um, as, as, as this conversation goes on, as you'll find, I have a theory on everything. Um, and and I've got to be honest with you. Ultimately, um, we were playing a, a style of music which originated in America, and yeah. America has a history of not buying into UK bands playing American music. The 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 no, band, I, I you, by that. Sure. You, you know, the, the the UK bands that, are, that that break in the states are people like you know people like Oasis and Coldplay, stuff that's quintessentially English. Yes. Um, and and that's what and that's what you want from your English musicians. You want them to be English, 
when the Brits start sound, trying to sound like Americans, it's like, no fucking way. No British... No, no anything to do with it, right. Yeah, no big British rappers breaking it in the States. No, because rap is American, and Brits rapping sounds fucking stupid to Americans. You know? Uh, you, could, you could even think of the, the most recent crop of thrash bands that did really well in your country, like uh, Evile and Savage Messiah and those type of bands. They've had great success in the UK, but over here, they're, they have not quite done as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I say, even to this day, and I think it's, um, uh, it, you know, it, it, it makes sense to me. Um, I mean, also, as I've often said, you look at you look at the, the big four in the States, you know, and then you look at the big four in the UK, which would be us, Zentrix, Sabbath and Onslaught. Onslaught, right. I mean, I mean, they don't really compare, do they? You know, let's be honest. Yeah, uh, there's quite the difference there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, as as, as I've said before, as, as listeners will be sick of hearing, but the biggest songs, the biggest breakthrough songs that uh, the the three of those big four had, us was a cover version of Hanging on the Telephone, Zentrix was a cover version of Ghostbusters, and Onslaught was a cover version of Let There Be Rock. I think that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, wow, that's true. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, it's just kind of like, well, yeah, pretty much. I think that's that. That's that's the UK thrash scene in a kind of like you know, in a in, in a bubble there. But but don't, like, don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, you know, we 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 had great fun as we said earlier, and um and and on, I mean, onslaught have now been going second time round since they reformed. They've now been going longer than they were around originally. That's right. Yeah, onslaught is still around. They come over here every now and then too. Yeah, absolutely. Last time with Neil Turbin, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I, I read somewhere. I, I didn't want to. I, I was going to do some. Um, I, I was going to do a little bit of research on you, and then I thought, well, no, I don't want to be. I I I don't want to be led by by stuff I've seen you talk about elsewhere, and uh, you know, just let the you know let everything develop as it is. But one thing I did realize, or I did read, was that you was it you spoke to, you spoke with Carl every fortnight for two years or something like that. Yeah, uh, I talked to Carl every Sunday, uh, which was 10 a.m. my time, 4 p.m. in Berlin. Carl would go to an internet cafe in, in Berlin, and uh, I would give him a topic uh, related to the book, and I would just let him go. I mean, he, he's one of those people that has constant dialogue, has a, a story for everything, has an anecdote for everything, which makes it perfect to do a book for, right? You know, you want someone who can expand on stories, who has a sharp memory, who has a great wit, and Carl has all of those things. Hey, never mind, know, never I, mind a book. I'm thinking um, podcast interview. <laughs> Yeah, oh my goodness, he'd be perfect for your podcast. I mean, yeah, he's got he's got millions of stories. Probably some of the ones that I even had to leave some stuff out of the book because you know I would I would run out of space, or the book would end up being it's five hundred four pages now. It probably could end up being a good seven hundred pages had I included everything. Right. But uh, yeah, Carl and I would talk every Sunday, and I would email him in advance, say, okay, here's what I think we should talk about, and uh, that's really what the foundation of the book is. As people, as readers, will see the foundation of the book. It's really Carl, but it's complemented throughout with his band. It's it's almost equal distribution, although the first few chapters are about Carl's early life as well as his forays into punk. But um, really, it's it focuses on Carl's thoughts on his bands as well as his thoughts on the music industry too, which is a really big aspect, which is sort of an overlooked thing. People don't realize how much of that behind the scenes stuff impacts how the scene plays out. 
you know, and uh, especially with a label like Noise in the 80s, who was swimming upstream against all the big major labels, many of whom wanted to sign Carl and sort of absorb them, yeah. to put them up underneath their, their larger uh, imprint. But uh, that's really what the foundation was for. And yeah, the book wouldn't have been possible had Carl not been such a great conversationalist and storyteller. I mean, he's he's fantastic with that regard. I mean, you you almost get like a history lesson. I know that sounds like a cliche. You almost get a history lesson when you sit down with him and listen to him talk. I mean, I, we've had we had some chats that lasted hours, maybe two or three hours, just because he he would find something that he remembered and he would just uh, expand upon it. It was really great. And of course, on the flip side, of course. That was a lot of transcribing on my end, too. So uh, I got very used to hearing the sound of Carl Ulrich Walterbach's voice over the span of two and a half years, but it was well worth it. Wow, that is, and that's some serious dedication. Uh, some serious yeah, dedication. I, I, yeah, sometimes I, I surprise myself in, in doing it. It was, it was quite a bit of work, but once you see the end result, you know, it's like when you finish an album, you know, and you've done that many times. You know, you finish an album, you think about all the work, the rehearsals, the songwriting. All that goes into it, it's the same deal with a book. You think about all the interviews and all the writing you did and editing, and then once you actually have the finished copy in your hand, it's like, oh, that's why I spent my Saturday night transcribing an hour of uh, Carl's, uh, Carl and I's conversations. So did you, was there anybody, um, was there anybody who didn't take part that you would have liked to get take yeah. part? Yeah, actually, we, we already spoke about him, which would be Rod Smallwood. So <laughs> Rod, actually, Rod was a great Rod would have been great for the book uh, for Halloween first off, you know, being that he managed them, you know, rates as they were at their peak, as well as was responsible for uh, getting them off of noise. But he also ran Sanctuary Music Group, who ended up buying noise in the year 2001. Yeah. And so, you know, you have that aspect to it. But I was told by his people that Rod does not do any non-Iron Maiden related interviews. And so, which was a bit of a bummer. It really, really would have been great to have, you know, Carl versus Rod Smallwood, two, two industry titans still go head to head on one another. But um, that, that was a bummer that we didn't get uh, Rod. And that was, that was a disappointment. The other would be uh, Terry B., who was the front right. woman for Manhole and Tura Satana. Uh, toward the late later part of the 90s when Carl was interested in new metal. Yeah. Uh, she uh, does not have particularly rosy recollections of her time with Noise and felt she could not be objective going on the record when talking about Noise records as well as Carl, so she declined. But outside of that, Howard, I, 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 somehow I got everyone. It was, it was a lot of emails back and forth, a lot of hunting people down, tracking them down, convincing them, telling them, you know, this is, this is my project. This is not a Carl Ulrich Walterbach project. Carl's yeah. involved, but he has no say in the editing process. He's not getting any of the royalties. This is 100% a, a project written by myself. And, uh, you know, it took it took some time with certain people. Uh, Tom G. Warrior was one of them. Tom uh, also turned me down a few times initially. But out of the blue, about a year ago, actually, he emailed me and said, you know, I've been thinking about it lately, and I actually would like to be interviewed for the Noise Records book. And uh, Tom and I ended up speaking for about three hours Oh, which, uh, it wow. ended up becoming one of my favorite chats for the book. I bet and, uh, I bet you were celebrating like you scored a touchdown when that email came in. Yeah, oh my goodness. It was just disbelief. You know how you get one of those emails and you have to do a double take? <laughs> I think he, he was very casual about it. So he asked, you know, what's the status of the book? And I said, well, we're almost done, but we're not quite done. We're still missing a few things. And that was tr the truth. You know, May of last year, I was, I was probably about 90% done. And uh, I was ready to proceed without Tom. I, I had enough quotes from the other members of Celtic Frost to 
complete the two Celtic Frost chapters. But then once you add Tom in, you know, that was, it required a total rewrite of those two chapters, obviously, to fit the, our conversation in. So I was astonished, and he was great. He, uh, you know, obviously doesn't like Carl. There's still some very hostile feelings yeah. there. But, you know, his insights on the creative process behind the Celtic Frost albums, as well as just coming up, being a, a young metal band in Switzerland where no one, no one understood them, no one cared about them, everyone hated them. And him just talking about those type of things was was simply remarkable. So it was it was a great honor to to talk to Tom G. Warrior. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, and and funnily enough, going back to what you said about Rod Smallwood, I I, I just um, I mean that sounds like a very stock line that you know no interviews other than Iron Maiden. I, I just I just wonder if. Um, I don't know. I just wonder if he looked at the situation. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. And uh, you know, if I was Rod Smallwood and you and you um, approached me about Halloween and about how ha- and noise and all the rest of it, I would probably turn an interview down as well because I don't think I'd come out of it very well. Yeah, and that's that's. I mean, I did I did my best to represent Rod. Uh, Carl obviously does not have very kind feelings about Rod, so. Uh, we, I had to approach it a little bit delicately there, but you know, I, I, what I try to do is play it down the middle. I, I try to take it from Rod's standpoint that he saw a band who were very unhappy with their label, who he saw could really add you know, a lot of weight to the Sanctuary Music Group roster or the Sanctuary Management roster. I should say, and uh, you know, I just included the, the what what Rod's motives were, and those were pretty clear cut, and those were to, that was to get Halloween off of Noise Records and onto a major label, which of course would have been EMI, and you know, Rod had a long-standing relationship with them because of Iron Maiden, and uh, yeah, 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 it would have been great to have Rod, but yeah, you're right, um, you know, maybe that there could have been some trepidation in talking to me about it based on the fact that you know. He did lose the court case. They did lose the Carl. You know, Noise Records was victorious in that court case. So maybe that's where some of that played in. It's funny as well that you say that Carl um, Carl doesn't have any. He doesn't have great feelings towards Rod and all the rest because of what happened. And it's funny because because I was just thinking, yeah, because well, funnily enough, Carl in that situation, Carl becomes. Um, in a similar situation to where the bands are coming from who were on Noise. You know, it's this is this is basically Carl having one of his bands stolen from him and being signed by somebody else, and it's like, oh right, so Carl's used, Carl's not used to getting fucked over. He's used to doing the fucking. So yeah, that's that. Yeah, many people brought that up to me. Sort of the irony of, of the fact that you know here was uh, a tough business guy dealing with a rock small and may even be a more tough and hard-edged business guy. Like you mentioned how he's a Yorkshireman. So oh, yeah. you know, like, I, don't, I don't give a shit these guys are signed to a multi-album deal with a German record company. I'm taking them anyway. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but to Carl's credit, he, he fought them tooth to the nail over it. You know, uh, Sanctuary may have saw Noise as this little small fish in a very large pond, but, you know, Noise is, uh, luckily for them, their accounting was up to date. They performed an audit on all of Noise's books. All their uh, filings were in good shape. So when an audit did happen, it did actually show that uh, Halloween wasn't uh, losing as much money as they initially thought. And all those things played into the court case. And sure enough, that's how uh, Carl came out victorious. Well, absolutely. And like I said, you know, it's, it, even at the time, 
Um, I, you know, I, I spoke to our manager about it, and he was like, he said, he, it's fucking insane. You do not sign a, a band who are uh, who are signed to a label and in the middle of a contract, you don't just swoop in and sign them to another label. I mean, it's it's you know, it's the equivalent of bigamy. <laughs> yeah, the, the irony of the whole situation was that Carl saw Carl had a premonition that someone was coming for Halloween, so he signed a four-band licensing deal with EMI Germany. So there's a key term there, EMI Germany, not EMI Worldwide. And so the irony of the fact that, that Rod was trying to take uh, Halloween on over to EMI globally when they were already on EMI Germany uh, really sort of uh, sullied the matter even more. So... Uh, yeah, yeah that, that whole situation, and like we talked about earlier, I mean, Halloween were on, they were on the rocket ship to the top. They had everything going for themselves. They had great songs. They had a great image. They were great live. I mean, for all intents and purposes, had they had stayed on the straight and narrow, yeah. maybe kind of and sticks around, and they, they keep it together, I mean, who knows how big they could have been. I mean, I argue in the book that it's very possible, at least, they, they could have hovered around at least scorpions level popularity i'm not saying they would have overtaken the scorps but at least they they probably could have come somewhere near that because they had the catchy songs i mean they were a metal band but you know some people argue the scorpions were a metal band too and they're probably more hard rock than that but uh, halloween could have came close had they kept it all together oh absolutely i mean there's no doubt in my mind that the that a massive kink was put in their career because they basically had to, their their career was on hold for a long time whilst all of this yeah. got sorted out. Eighteen months, yeah, from uh, nineteen nine all of nineteen ninety through middle of nineteen ninety one, yeah, yeah. And and imagine, and, that, imagine being a fast rising band, you have all these things going for yourself, and you're stopped. I mean, they they couldn't even release Pink Bubbles Go Ape in Germany; the courts prohibited it, so they couldn't even release their own album. Their fourth album was barred from being released. In Germany, based on the simple fact that there was litigation going on between Noise and Sanctuary. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it, those were those were crucial years as well, not just in their career, sure. but when you look at the you, when you look at what was happening in metal and what happened in, in metal a couple of years later, that was the time. That was the key time where they would have got a foothold in you know in, in the metal scene, and sure. it it really really harmed them. It definitely did. I agree. Yeah, very detrimental to their career. But to their credit, they, they eventually rebounded. I mean, Pink Bubbles go away, but Chameleon didn't sell well, and EMI eventually did dropping them. But once they got Andy, Andy Darris in the band in 1994, they, they righted the ship, and, and they were able to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, now, in my hand, as we speak, I have um, two three-disc re, um, uh, re-releases, one right. of Voivod Killing Technology and one of Voivod Dimension Hatros. That's my favorite. Yes. Yes, just arrived. Uh, just arrived a couple of days ago. Now, um, is uh, you know what? What's Carl's involvement in these? That's very interesting. You you bring up the BMG reissues because I think it was about summer of 2015. I had got an email from a guy named John Richards who worked at Sanctuary when noise was under sanctuary and John was one of the product managers there. And he sent me an email saying, Hey David, just want to let you know that uh, BMG now has pl- BMG has acquired uh, the, the universal music group catalog, which underneath it was sanctuary's catalog and underneath sanctuary's catalog is noise records. Yeah. And so they had plans to start reissuing some of the key releases, starting with the best of series in 2016. 
and I was I was simply stunned because all along the while and talking to the bands and under other industry people, everyone told me, yeah, nothing's ever going to happen with the Noise Records catalog. Don't even bother. It's, it's just yeah. going to sit there and, and not do anything. I've heard the same. I'd, I'd heard the same thing. You know, purely as, as a fan, I'd asked all, uh, over the years of. You know, uh, whenever I've bumped into any of these bands and stuff, and they'd always always said the same thing, which is, you know, forget it. Yeah, that that's all I heard too when I started the book in 2014, and I, I was stunned. And uh, I actually entered into discussions with BMG on them, perhaps taking part in the book, like you know, being an authorized BMG release. But uh, over time, it just didn't feel right. Uh, the people there, they're great people, especially some of the product managers there. But it was. Uh, it was the inclination was they wanted for their lawyers to look at the book in order for it to be an authorized yeah. BMG book. And I don't know, it, it just didn't seem right based on some of the stuff Carl says throughout the book and some of the, the, the things that are discussed. I mean, there's nothing really bad about BMG per se in the book. And she didn't seem right. Something that I, I spent so much time on then being edited by people who uh, may not have as much interest in it as I would. And so that's where the cooperation ended. I'm, I'm still in touch with a lot of the BMG folks today just by the fact that they're releasing, you know, the noise bands and it's, it's great to stay in touch. I actually sent them a copy of the book last week. And I think they have it by now. But, yeah, Carl, they have asked Carl to uh, take part in some of the, the reissues. Um, I think he did some interviews last year when they started the campaign. So he, he took part in those and he has may have helped them track down some old tapes and old masters and files and, and whatnot, and maybe a few liner notes. So, so yeah, I mean, he was, uh, I think he's sort of uh, ambivalent about the whole thing. I think the bands are more excited than he is. Yeah. yeah. I think Carl mentally at least has tapped out on some of those bands, but at least for the bands, you know, because uh, Michel from Voivod did the book's artwork. And when I told him that BMG was going to do stuff with the Voivod catalog, he was, he was over the moon. I mean, he's been waiting for years to do something with Killing Technology, Roar and Killing Technology and Dimension Hatros, and for him yeah. to be able to do that was just a great thrill for him. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I first heard that these were the the the, the rumblings. Of these I um uh I had a, a a sit down for a good two hours with um with Dan from Voivod. Yeah, um, of course, Chewy. Yeah, yeah, and he he kind of um, he he said this, you know, he said, look, there's 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 a chance these things might actually be, you know, might actually come out. There's, you know, we we we've heard that there's you know possibility that we might finally actually get some um, some reissues, and um, and I I was just like wait, waiting patiently, and then in 2016 when the best of came out, I was like, Christ, I hope this is not it. Well, yeah, I, yeah the, the best dubs were a curious, curious choice by them. I think that was sort of done to ease these bands back to the marketplace, which I, I can understand on one level, but the other level, they, they probably could have just started with the regular reissues of, of the single album. Some of these bands aren't big enough to I, do that. I don't know how many people actually buy best dubs anymore with oh, it's, the it's, it's, streaming. Yeah, I, yeah I, absolutely. I think it was, I think it was classic, uh, classic, um major label marketing ploy that has absolutely no place in metal and it was fucking stupid and a waste of time yeah that's that's coincidentally that's exactly how carl felt about it uh, <laughs> so, uh yeah you basically echoed his words there precisely yeah it's just like well if if you think you need if you think you need to bring a best of out of voivod so so people know who they are what the hell are you re- reissuing old albums for you know, it's it's kind of yeah. it's, it's weird. It's just it just seems totally counterintuitive the two things. But 
you know, that's um, major labels. They uh, they've never quite got metal, and, um, and it's quite nice to see some things haven't changed. Yeah, the, the, the nice thing is they've gotten all the bands involved. I know uh, yeah. Away, Boy Vaughn was involved with those. Mille Creators up next, and from what the BMG staff told me, it was that he was heavily involved in the whole thing, which is how it should be. I think the same was going to apply for the upcoming Celtic Frost reissues. Tom, Tom G. Warrior will be involved heavily with those too. So, yeah, at least they're getting the band's involvement, which is what you know a lot of people want anyway. No, it's awesome, and uh, I, I mean, you know, and I, I mean, I've I've read all the the these Voivod reissues from cover to cover, and uh, I'm making my way through the discs. I've only had them, like I said, since Thursday, and. Um, uh, and, and and it's quite obvious that this is something that the band. In fact, my good friend Malcolm Dome wrote the sleeve notes. Yeah, of course, um, Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm's great. Oh, yeah. he's great. He's 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 on this podcast more than I am. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, he no, he's a, he's he's a great dude. And and it's it's obvious that these things have been put together with the band's input because they are they're, they're a labour of love, you know, and they've been really well researched and the content the content is painstakingly researched and. And you know, been remastered, and it's it. Yeah, I mean, these things have been. I, I think the word is curated beautifully, you know. And and I'm I'm yeah. looking I'm looking forward to my I'm looking forward to get my creator remasters as uh, as soon as they can post them out. Yeah, I am too. I think I hopefully fingers crossed from what they tell me they have a package coming over here to the states for me. So I I will be watching my post office box uh, very eagerly for them to come in. Well, they're re- they're amazingly priced as well. A friend of mine picked up the the Dimension Hatros triple disc. For nine pounds ninety nine. See, that's that's how it should be, right? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Overpriced yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it, it, you know, despite the whole best of thing, I'm willing to overlook that. Um, uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it's 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 clear that someone actually knows what they're doing, and yeah, it's, and like you exactly. say, it's it, it's awesome that the bands are involved in these as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think the one that I think the ones that everyone is really waiting for are the the Celtic Frost remasters. I mean, that's, oh, of course, yeah, those those will be great. That's that's the big one. That's the big one. Um, yeah. uh, do you happen to know which albums they're doing? I, I believe they're doing the primary three, which would be right. more of the tales than to make a theory on, then into the pandemonium, and may, maybe being the nemesis. As usual, Cold Lake will be left out of the whole of the whole <laughs> bit. But I think those four will probably be the ones they'll end up doing. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, having done this labor of love and 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 you know got this book out, um, any any plans to 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 do anything else? Yeah, um, I'm actually getting a little restless here because the noise book was so all consuming. I think I wrapped it up in in January or February of this year. At least the final design aspects, working with our design team with it. You know, I'm still doing press, which is great, of course, but the actual function of writing right now, I mean, I have my own site that I that I do and, and write for, but, you know, doing a book is a whole other thing together. So, yeah, I am getting a little restless. My my publisher, uh, Iron Pages, and I have been exchanging ideas back and forth about what to do next. I don't have anything confirmed. We have a few ideas floating about. Uh, one would be of a, a pretty big German band. The other is of a, a Danish band. So, uh We'll see. It, it really just depends on getting these people to agree to do it and uh, them uh, willing to put in the time. And, and thankfully now I have a, a one book under my to my name now so people can maybe take me seriously. When I say, How do you feel about doing a band, band biography? You know, Because doing, doing the noise book was, uh, was pretty daunting at first. After, But once I got Carl uh, committed and got the rest of the bands, it all came together. So I'm hoping this next project will be 
uh, a little more simple uh, to do. There was there was a lot of work and a lot of back and forth, uh, a lot of people being wary of me doing the noise book, but thankfully it got completed. So I'm hoping that my next book project, whatever that may be, will be a, a little bit easier to do. Well, I think it's an awesome calling card because it's, uh, you know, having to talk to so many different bands. And, uh, and I mean, you know, anyone who knows anything about metal in that era knows that there was conflict between the bands and the label owner. And to, to get all of them into one book and, and, and tell the story, I think, is incredibly impressive. Um, uh, yeah, and, sure. you know, I mean, as soon as I heard... You, you know that this book even existed i was like right i've i've got to track that down i've got to get a copy of that um and um, that. so um so um considering doing a book on volbeat are we <laughs> it's not, no it's not it's not on volbeat i'll just say he's a uh... oh it's most full fate silly me oh uh mum is the word on <laughs> on, 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 no 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 king king is the word yeah, there we go. King King is the word on that, but that will take that will take a lot of work. But uh, yeah, that is that is uh, potentially. I, I will not uh, confirm nor deny that is potentially one of the ideas we are discussing. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I know I've I've, um, I've had Hank Sherman on um, uh, on here, and he was um, oh, Hank, great. Yeah, yeah he's uh, as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, we 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 could have talked for days. Um, it's just a really really lovely guy. Um, and he and he was he was really really nice about King as well. Yeah, it seems like they still all have a really good relationship. I I, I wonder what they're they're thinking about this whole thing because you know King has been devoted solely to his namesake band for all this time, and Merciful Fate hasn't done anything outside of you know one off shows here and there with Metallica. Uh, you know, the last fifteen or twenty some odd years. So I should say fifteen or so. Actually, I think they're a last active around nineteen ninety nine. So. You know, you you can ask a cross section of people. Well, what do you prefer, King Diamond or Merciful Fate? And I would say at this point, I, I'd be more interested in a Merciful Fate album than a King Diamond album. But that's just my preference. But uh, I love both bands dearly. So um, hopefully they'll do something again before everyone gets too old. Well, I, I I agree. I'd be excited for a new Merciful Fate album. But I think I think uh, probably like you. Um, it's been so many years since there's been a Merciful Fate album. I mean, come on, you, you know, basically there's a new King Diamond album every few years. So um, it would be it would be awesome for those guys to get back in a room together and uh, and, and and see what they could create. Absolutely, I agree. So fingers crossed on that. Maybe Michael Denner will be involved too, because of course he and Hank Shermer are one of the best guitar tandems in metal history. That would be a beautiful thing. Not to discount Mike Webb, the guy who they currently have in there. He's a fantastic player as well, but there's something special when Hank Sherman and Michael Denner play together. Well, when I spoke to Hank, it was when they were first putting out the, the Denner Sherman yeah, the stuff. Denner, yeah, the, the, the Denner Sherman, I should say. Oh, right. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, I, they, they still working together and get along fantastically. So who knows? Hey, who knows? Fingers crossed. It'd be awesome if it happened. It would, it would. And I, I think, um, they're, I mean, their place in history has been kind of, I don't know. They, they get, they get lost sometimes, but that, I mean, they were a huge influence on, on bands like Metallica and Slayer. I mean, Kerry oh, King has said, yeah. you know, that Hello Waits is basically a Merciful Fate album. But basically, yeah, you could argue that. Absolutely. Yeah. And they were big influence on Sabbath. You know, Andy Sneap said that many times. He was a huge Merciful Fate fan. And that's what helped jumpstart their career. Yeah. Just a fantastic band. So with um with all of the um with all of the noise bands, um and all of the work that you put in, 
Um, was there was was there any time where you were like, uh, you know, look, you know, someone's just being, you know, someone's just really being kind of, you know, over the top and not um, not nasty, but you know, basically, well, I, funny enough, picking up on what you said about Terry B, I thought that was a, I thought that was very interesting and um, and all credit to her for for kind of walking away and saying, Do you know what, I. You know, it almost sounds like, you know, if you, if you haven't got anything good to say, then don't say anything. Oh, right. And I, I do give her credit. But to answer your question, out of the bands, though, they were pretty respectful and, and honest about their time. I mean, there was no slander or libel in, in the book. Really, the only person that we had to edit was was actually Carl himself. I, uh, some of the things that he said about certain people we, we literally could not use. Else, uh, <laughs> <laughs> would be in uh some potential legal trouble, but he was really the only one. I mean, you know, even with the bitter feelings that still exist, you know, Tom G. Warrior was fine. The Halloween guys were all great, you know, in spite of what happened to them. Miller from Creator has said that he and Carl have made up and they're they're on they they have a good relationship now. And so um yeah, really really there wasn't anyone who we had to censor and be like, whoa, you've gone a little bit too far about Carl or Noise Records. That's great. That's really cool. Um, yeah. uh, well, uh, look, I, by the sounds of it, he'd make a great podcast interview. So I am going to um, I, I'm going to bring the interview to a close, but don't go anywhere because um, uh, I would uh, I'd love to ask you a couple of questions <laughs> off the record. Yeah, that'd um, be great. Cool. Okay. Well, but for, but for now, um, do you want to tell everybody um, what your um, uh, what your website is called? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I. The book can be got uh, purchased on Amazon, of course, yeah. as well as through Iron Pages. That's just Iron and Pages. Uh, I believe the the URL is Iron Pages slash uh, Iron slash Pages because it's a German site. You can get it there. Uh, I believe since the book is distributed by SPV, you can get it from record labels like Nuclear Blast and uh, uh, Season the Mist are all carrying it as well. But I also have my own website over here in the States. I created my own publishing company to release the book. And the company is called Deliberation Press. And you can get the book at deliberationpress.com. And I personally ship it. Some people have asked me to sign it. So, uh, you know, lucky them. They get a signature of uh, the Noise Records book with my John Hancock on it. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, gutted I got mine through yeah. Amazon now. What was that? I'm gutted. I got mine through Amazon. I should have yeah, got it. I should have got it from you. You are, you are in the UK. It would be a little bit more expensive to ship it. Ship it over. They really get you on shipping costs. Yes, I did. I did. I did do the maths, and Amazon won every time. <laughs> right, but yeah, that's where that's where you can get it. Thankfully, uh, at least on your side of the pond, uh, SPV is distributing the book, so it, it's available in a lot of places, which is really great. Great. Is, is there a, is there a Facebook um, a Facebook page or or Twitter? Yeah, it's or... very simple. It's just Facebook.com/slash Noise Records Book. <laughs> right. Nice. Like your style. Yeah. Very simple. I didn't want to complicate complicated any. Yeah. No. That's really cool. Anything uh, Anything on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that? Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just focusing on, I'm not much of a, it's, it's weird because I'm really not in social media or things like that. So doing stuff for the book is, is sort of out of my character, but I've slowly adapted to it. But uh, right now the Facebook page seems to be working just fine. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, look, um, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people going out and getting that book. And uh, right. uh, it, look, thank you very much for your time. Um, thank you so much, Howard. It's been awesome. I'm going to finish the interview, but we shall, um, we'll have a little bit of a, a, a catch up as well. So thank you very cool. much. Thanks, Howard. 
So that's uh, David Gielke there. And um, well, what can I say apart from um, the chat that we had eventually led to, well, the chat after the interview eventually led to me saying, um, is there any chance you would give me Carl's um, uh, email address? And he was like, yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, so what happened? Um, he gave me Carl's email address. Carl said, yeah, no problem, I remember you, which is great. Um, and then, um, and then, unfortunately, it was a no show on um, on the arranged time. But then I, so I emailed him. Um, it was going to be a Sunday, and um, I emailed him and said, "Look, I, I, you know, do you still want to do this?" He's like, "Yeah, sorry, production problems got waylaid. We'll reorganise." So, I haven't got a new uh, date and time yet. But just so you know, that has kind of followed on from that, and that will be a special. That will probably be a noise record special. And that will, from what I can gather from what, um, and certainly from what David said, um, I think Carl and I are going to pretty much be talking for a long time. So that might just be a one-off, big, long special, a, a completely different to anything I've done before, um, which could be very, very cool. Um, so, yeah, um, and, and yeah, great. And as mentioned in the interview there, um, I have the Voivod uh, reissues. Um, I mean, three disc editions for nine ninety nine. That is the remastered Genius album. Then that's a, a CD of remastered live stuff, which is in some cases live recording, in some cases bootlegs, but it's still not bad. And then a DVD for nine ninety nine. A triple. You've got to go and get those. Okay, you've got to go and get them. Um, I got. Killing Technology and Dimension Hatros. Um, as I said, I'm up north at the moment where I've been on holiday since getting shit-canned. Um, like I said, really not bothered. Paid to leave a job I hate. That's good. Um, so, um, yeah, I've been listening to them. Listen to them on, on, on the way up. I mean, they just sound great. Dimension Hatros, I cannot stop playing it. Um, it's just a work of genius. There's just not a weak thing on it. Nothing. Well, of course, there is, of course, uh, Batman. Um, but let's let's not have, yeah. There's Batman as an extra track on the CD. But let's let's not talk about that too much. Um, so what else will be going? There's just a, a couple more things I wanted to talk to you about before uh, before heading off. Um, and I guess it comes back to um, the fact that you know we were talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sharing my love of a few new albums at the moment and everything. And um, and the fact that um, yeah, friends recommending stuff is as poor, is is now as important as anything. You know that old. That when you used to go into a record shop and and see what people are buying or meet people, you'd actually meet them at a record shop. They become you know they become friends. You'd have record shop friends who you might only ever see there, but you'd share you know you'd share your um uh your tastes and your tips with each other. And then people working in the shop, and of course that's all gone. And I'm yeah I know I sound like an old bastard, but most of you remember these days. Um, I know that for a fact. And the thing is that because they're not around anymore, and if you're relying on things like Pandora and Spotify to expand your tastes unfortunately spotify is like it's it and pandora they work on an algorithm that is the same as as google so if you think when you're googling stuff right google keeps your search history and it doesn't it so if you if you google like, like if you're googling something let's just say golf courses um google will give you the results it thinks you want based on your search history it's not going to give you the best golf course near, near you. It's not going to give you the smallest or the largest. It's going to give the one that it thinks you're looking for. And that's the thing with music is, 
You're only going to get choices recommended based on what you've listened to in the past. You're not going to get that totally left field recommendation that you're going to get from a mate and going to go, look, for instance, I was really into Marillion at the time and someone said, Dream of the Blue Blue Turtles, Sting's first solo album. I was like, right, that's really my, you know, Marillion, I'm into that, but I'm also into my metal. And they said, no, try this. And to this day, I love that album. It's a total one-off. I don't like any of this other solo stuff or anything like that. I did like the police. But yeah, so what I'm saying is that with, with Spotify, it is a case, and, and Pandora, you know, it, the whole algorithm is based on just recommending stuff that they want you to like so it keeps you going down the Spotify rabbit hole, so it keeps you on Spotify. So basically what I'm saying is friends, musical friends, are as important as ever. And getting out there and telling everybody about the latest stuff you're listening to is as important as ever. So, And, and I'm sure lots of you do that. Um, so right up there with the new uh, Living Colour album, there's a, a new Extreme album on the way. The words Noise Terror better be coming after that fucking Extreme for me to be interested. A new Extreme. Who the fuck wants a new Extreme album? Um, and finally, finally... It's it's our old mate, Lars Ulrich. Lars has finally decided to join in the game that the rest of us have been playing for years since fucking Justice or since the Black Album. He's finally decided to join in the game that we've all been playing for years and that is, who would he get to replace him in Metallica? Um, and um, um, he picked Phil Rudd. Phil Rudd. That would be mad Phil Rudd, um, uh, last last seen on YouTube, um, getting done for having meth at his house and um, and all sorts of shit like that. He's cleaned his act up now and he's he's, he's touring with his um, his his solo band. But there you go, um, somebody who doesn't play fast at all and keeps a solid, if unspectacular, four four. All I can say is if that that is your inspiration, if Phil Rudd is your inspiration, then you probably shouldn't be playing in a thrash band. Because, well, because. Um, anyway, um, uh, that's my last bit of jibber-jabber. Now it's time for the last interview. And uh, this is a bit of a special one. I literally came off the phone from Dan about 10 minutes ago, well, from just before recording this. Um, and this is uh, the latest and very, very special chat with Dan in Cancer Corner. Easy. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Excellent, excellent. Um, uh, Just taking it easy, nice slow day? Yeah, really slow day. Just been chilling out today. I'm just making the most of my last days off work before I'm going back full time. Ooh. Going back yeah, full, yeah. going back full time, eh? That must yeah, mean like a man. <laughs> like a man, yeah, bruv. <laughs> um, so uh, going back full time, I think you've given the game away there. Yeah, I know. I've kind of dropped a bollock straight away, haven't I? You, yeah, you've dropped a talking <laughs> bollock, eh? Yeah. Um, so give us the news, like I didn't know already, but go for it. Um, so I got scanned just before uh, uh, my last uh, round of chemo and the results came back all clear. I'm officially in remission. 
boom, cancer is all gone. Kicked it in the dick. That is punched it in the dick punch. Nasty. Dick punch. Too right. <laughs> I fight dirty. Yeah, too. Hey, we're cancer, mate. You got to get down and dirty. That's simple as that. Too right. Yeah. Uh, nil. Yeah. Well, you know, yet more proof. Cancer prick the pick the wrong guy yet again. <laughs> Very true. So, um, so where where did you um where did you have where did you have it last time? Where what part of your body? Um, the first time that was. The lymph node in my armpit swelled up, um, right. and it had travelled from my armpit all the way like up my chest towards like my collarbone sort of area. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's and and now you've had uh, liver and spine. Yes. Awesome. So, uh, so what what what's next then? You've got to get the full set. I know. Well, there's um, oh, there's plenty. I've still got to tick off yet. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I won't start naming them because I don't want to. <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll be back here in six months and people will be fucking tweeting yeah, me going. Oh, fuck's sake, it was that conversation I had with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll be people getting people tweeting me going, you fucking bastard. You, yeah. You've given Dan cancer <laughs> via podcast. <laughs> yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. Oh, mate. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I mean, we haven't had a chance to, to talk since you sent me that message, but it's fucking. It's great news, dude. It's great news. Thank you very much. Yeah. I still don't think it's properly sunk in. I even, like, I, I, like, I held off telling people for a little bit just because I had, like, like more chemo to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't want to be like. Yeah, well, I, I didn't want to, like. Like put it out there going, well, you know, beat it, but I'm still having my fucking ass kicked by this chemo. Um, and then, like, uh, but he still hasn't really sunk in. And it was, and it was like, I'd, so I'd, I thought, right, I'm, I'll get it out there. So, like, I posted that status on Facebook last night, just letting people know. Because, yeah. like, all the support and stuff I've had from everyone, like, on my video blog has been fucking ace. So, I thought I'd tell people I'm there, and then I recorded another video blog, which I'm going to. Well, I need to post it in two parts because I ended up going on for 20 minutes on that one. Um, so I was going to post that like tonight or over the weekend. But um, yeah, it's, it still feels fucking weird. So I think like I think partly because I'm still like at the minute I'm still in the sort of chemo routine a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm waiting for my withdrawal to kick in within the next day or two, and then um, yeah, like my immune system's still a bit like obviously because I've only had the chemo. On Monday, so my immune system's still going to be in the toilet for the next two weeks. I've still got to take it steady. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's weird though. It's, I don't know. That's it's a really fucking weird thing. <laughs> it's, it's it's funny, like you were saying though, your reaction when you first got told, and yeah. you thought you didn't want it. It it, it 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 takes me back to react your reaction when you got told that you'd got cancer, and it was like, no, I'm still going to go meet my mate in town. It's yeah, al- yeah. it's almost like that sort of. It's so much to take in. You you just sort of park it, don't you? You just sort of park yeah. it and go right. I'll uh, okay. I know right. I, I know that, but I'm just going to park it there and I'll deal with it when I'm ready. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's it. And like as I say, like the the chemo, the treatment itself is its own thing. You've got to deal with um, in it. So like, yeah, it's everything's just you've got to break everything into like manageable fucking clumps and shit in it. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, as I say, it still feels. It, I don't know. I keep, I keep thinking like, I, I think part of my head is still in that sort of thing where I'm like, right, I need to get through this week and I need to get through that week, and then I keep going, 
That shit I do I have to go back in two weeks time yeah. and it's, it's like my brain keeps it's almost like you know like when you're on a track and then all of a sudden the track just sort of diverts when you're not expecting it to and it's just like oh shit yeah this is going in a different fucking direction now and it has been for the past five months yeah. so yeah and it's, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's awesome but what the, the, I mean I'm sure a few people will be thinking what I'm thinking which is I thought you were going to have to you were going to have to wait for six months after the chemo to find out if it had all gone so no, well, um, they did that with the radiotherapy. It was three months after the radiotherapy because the radiation stays in your system for for, for like however, like like it was three months that time. So like, um, the radiation would have just showed up yeah. on the PET scan, uh, yeah. so they wouldn't have been able to differentiate it from the cancer. So they had to wait for that to get out of my system. But like, I don't know whether this is because instead of it being like like a this is more like it's a chemical thing as opposed to a radiation thing and like you piss it out and sweat it out and all this fucking stuff so I, I, I guess it's a different thing where they just said yeah we can scan you as and when we need to basically that's um, awesome you must have been you must have been absolutely bricking it when they said we're gonna we're gonna scan you to see if it's gone or if it's still yeah there. um yeah, it was. It was. It was. Well, I was. It, it, I was expecting it to be a really fucking long week, but I managed to keep myself busy and, like, I, kept, I went to work and stuff like that. And so I, I just, I, I just refused to fucking think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I just, I just refused, um, and I just had to get on with it. And but I like, there was, yeah, I was trying to like get as many things booked in on the night sort of thing as well. But when I came home from work, yeah, I mean, just I was busy. Yeah, but, um, but you've yeah, all, but so you've always got that you've always got that moment when your head hits the pillow, haven't you? And you've got to try and quieten the voices. Then yeah, exactly. And yeah, I've I've talked about that in the in the video blog that I've just done actually because like um like I, I was just saying like remission in itself is is, is another thing you have to deal with I said in the video blog actually there's like there's a reason Mastodon have just released a concept album that's about dealing with the aftermath of cancer yeah. like not necessarily cancer itself it's the aftermath of it and it's coming to terms with what you've sort of gone through and I've said in the video blog they want to keep doing them as well not as regularly as I was doing them during the chemo because I don't want to drive people fucking mad with it but like I, that was one of the things I found was like as, like the hospital have been like said to me they've, they've offered me like counselling and stuff which I don't really think I need I'm not going to go for that unless I all of a sudden have a breakdown out of nowhere but um, like you know but there's, there was one of those things where you just like it's trying to find like things on the internet and stuff to like co like help you like process that shit yeah like once you've gone through it yeah I thought well, there could maybe do to be a little bit more of that like about so that's why I thought I wanted to try and keep up with the video blogs a little bit. And luckily, you've got um, you've got Emperor of Sand to listen to as well. Exactly, it's a fucking class album too. <laughs> well, I'm totally up there with you. Earlier on in this podcast, I was I was like giving a few people some recommends for um, yeah. for stuff to listen to, and uh, that that was the album of our tour. I mean, uh, me, uh, uh, Paul, and Mark um, were all right. were all just playing it all the time. Um, at one point. Yeah. Paul and I had actually, unbeknownst to the two of us, we listened to it, listened to it, and we we're both on the same song at the same time. Um, right. Mark loves it. Uh, Cookie bought it. I'm not sure what Pete thought, but it, it's definitely the album of that tour. And it, yeah. There, there's yeah, there is some um, there's some there's some real classic lyrics on there if you if you know what you're listening for. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, um, I, 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 well, funnily, I don't actually study lyrics too much, to be fair. Like, but like, it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of mer- metaphorical stuff on it in there. Like, oh yeah, and um, I mean, even like the bit like I think it's just the, one of the songs is just called "Show Yourself," in, and that yes. just kind of immediately was just like, I, I, I just there at least it just sort of sprung to my mind just the fucking paranoia that you have, like after being told, you know, that you're like what, what you know. My brain's just gone blank again. So, like, like being told that you know you're in in remission or whatever like that, and then there's like that fear that it might come back and all this stuff, and that's what it that sort of just clicked in my head for me at least. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, no, there's uh, it, uh, there's there's a number of songs on the album. Um, I mean, I think uh, Steam Breather. There's there, there's uh, and also I think the, the the for me the very last song Jaguar God. Yeah, the, the opening line where he says like I, I I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like it's something like I was I was out on my own doing fine when I heard, you know, and there's mm, this like yeah. and, it, and it's like basically it's almost like you know I was out walking when I heard this news and I always remember where I was when I heard it and yeah yeah no there's some, there's yeah. some awesome stuff in there there's some awesome yeah. stuff in there. Well, look, we'll yeah, do the same. We'll do the same with the podcast, right? What we'll do is we'll, um, you know, we'll knock these on the head when you're a, when you're a chemoless when you're chemoless because uh, you okay. know because that's boring, really. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, but we'll but we'll you know we'll call back. You know, there's there's absolutely no reason to not sort of call back in on you. Um, you know, every few months and uh, and get an update from you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, like I said, um, when you message me, I'm still up for um, doing that one in the pub on time. It'll be good to have a bit of piss up on that. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. I, well, I don't the, think I've seen you since that Norwich gig, in fact, have I? So. Uh, no, I think you're right. I think it. it, it well, yeah. um, no, it, was it Norwich or was it? Um... Yeah, it was Norwich, wasn't it? Cause the, yeah, it was the, Norwich. Yeah. Cam- Camden Underworld was before that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, because Camden Underworld, the day before that was the day that I got told I had cancer the first time. <laughs> oh, so. fucking hell, right, yeah, great. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, because I've got... It, it's dead funny as well, because you, uh, obviously you know, because I messaged you about it, but yeah, nice one, rubbing it rubbing it in, you're going back to work full-time, you fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. It's, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't even fucking click. <laughs> he says to the redundant bastard, you twat. Yeah. I know. Don't know them. What is it? They, they all complain about the uh, the benefit sponges and stuff, don't they? Absolutely, so, yeah. Oh, mate, yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sponging for everything I can. My um, yeah, fucking, I do it. Rinse yeah. it. Rinse it. My t- my 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 two broken legs. My dodgy back. Um, Go for it. Yeah, absolutely, and a, and a shitload of other stuff that I haven't got. Yeah, um, and let's fa- <laughs> let, let's face it as well. Even if they were, even if the even if the benefits people were trying to tr- were trying to find out if I was genuine or not, they're not going to listen to this far into the podcast. They're going to get about ten minutes in and go, "Fuck this! I'm not listening to all of this." Yeah, I think you've got better things to do with the time, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, <laughs> un- unlike me, again, thank you very much, yeah, you bastard. Unlike you, yeah, it always it just always comes back. It's a vicious circle. It you don't is. have to get used to this. Yeah, yeah, I know, bastard. So, so look, I'm a little bit confused. Have you got your next chemo to go yet? No, I just did it on Monday. Oh, fucking so. hell! Right, okay. Well, you, you sound incredibly, incredibly together. Bearing in mind it was only Monday. <coughs> Thank you. Uh, well, to be fair, like I was saying, uh, to, I can't remember what I was saying it to. Um, they they gave me some stronger sickness tablets on round five because I threw up such a lot on round four. 
um, they gave me some stronger Cygnus tablets that I didn't throw up. But I think because I wasn't getting it out of my system, it, it was just like it was all just still in there, like gestating and stuff. Yeah. So like, but this time, these even these tablets didn't work. I actually threw up in the hospital while I was sat with the fucking drip in my hand. I went and oh. the toilet. Oh, that's and nice. Luckily, I was in the toilet when it when it just came on, sort of thing. But like, like the nurse said, there's a lot of there was a little bit. I'll have a lot of sort of anticipatory stuff, sort of being in there, like just being sat in the chair and the smells of the place and stuff. Yeah. So I threw up in the hospital, and then I spent all of Tuesday just chucking my guts up. Oh. So you're not going to miss that. I've managed it. No, I fucking <laughs> are. <laughs> I am not going to miss that. So I think because I've got some of it out of my system a little bit, I think that's kind of helped a bit, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. And I took my last ever round of steroids this morning as well. So, awesome. Right. Oh, right. So you've got yeah. fucking you've got raisin bollocks at the moment then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's at least no, as, at least never as, really fucking different anyway. I was going to say, at least you've got an excuse for having raisin bollocks yeah. now, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yeah. Go out, go out in town to get laid. Sorry, girls. Steroids yeah. still in effect. Steroids did it. Yeah, but Dan, Steroids that was five it. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to be selling using that excuse for fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's settle down, have kids. What were these? You're joking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, in happening. <laughs> so I saw you've um, you're, you're you're sorting some gigs out as well. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so last year, after, uh, last year we did um, we did metal, metal for Macmillan. We called it. We did a gig in Hull. We just had like um, got some some. We got balls deep. Oh, I think you're going. You've played with a couple of times. In fact. I really? Think, I don't know, reanimated. Yeah, um, we've got we... them on it because they're quite good mates of ours. Um, right. From Stoke. Right. I don't and... think we, I don't think we've played with them, but I might be wrong because we've done festivals where like we turn up ah. late in the we turn up late in the day and right. don't really okay. see anybody. But that yeah. might be it. Yeah, I might have seen your name on some festival builds off with them. Um, so we've got them on. They've got them on board because they're quite good mates of ours. Yeah. Um, we've got a few other local bands and stuff on it. So we did that in. August last year, and we ended up raising 714 quid from Macmillan Cancer Support. Right. So, this time, we've booked in for September. We're going to get some more local bands on, get balls deep on it again, and then wanna ch- I, I want to try and smash a grand in. What about, what about but, Reanimator? I, I don't, well, I offered, to, I offered them it last time, and they, wanted, they just said they wanted to get pissed and just watch us, which <laughs> is... The ultimate, them, can yeah, the 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 ultimate accolade. I, I thought you were going to say, yeah. I thought you were going to say, we offered it last time, but they wanted a grand. <laughs> yeah, a fucking grand. I was like, I am paying, yeah. Yeah. And then how do I get paid? And yeah. then how do I not feel guilty? Yeah, absolutely. The money. Yeah, yeah you've got you've got to, you've got to take your part of the fee and give it to charity. Everybody mm. else just takes theirs and spends yeah. it at the bar. Yeah, yeah, not fucking um, happening. Well, if so. I can look, if I can help, if I can help in any way, um, yeah, let much. me let me know what the date is. If I can come up and MC it for you, or like, yeah, nice or, or whatever, um, or even do a fuck it, try and do a do an episode of the podcast, or do a do a, a you know a live podcast, and I don't know, fucking that all. would be ace. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, it's September second in Hull. Um, right. Okay. Well, bear but, with um, me. Bear with me because I uh, I will look in my calendar now, and let's have a look. Uh, bearing in mind, you know, the small matter of 
trying to get a job yeah. trying to get a job to, to sort yeah, out yeah yeah well um, we know how busy you are, you are at the minute don't we sir? yeah fuck always, off <laughs> we've second, covered that topic se- in great se- detail yeah 2nd of September <laughs> yeah we're X- working X-I-I-I yeah yes. extra large 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 <laughs> yeah um whole cancer do okay yeah it's, it's in the diary unless something unless something better comes up <laughs> Like a job. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, unless someone else comes up, mate, I'm I'm down for that. Um, nice one. And maybe we could even get possibly do a live do a live podcast where we do a kind of Q a Q and A. We maybe get John and Kev along from Reanimator and do a sort of back in the day and take questions from people as well about like you know a touring with people like Exodus all and and Dark Angel and all the rest yeah, of them yeah. back in the day and yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll figure something out mate because I've never done a live yeah. one so we could make it the first ever live one and and really try and make a big deal of this day yeah that'd be fun that yeah that'd be cool cool and I'll just sit and listen to you tell all your your old war stories because a lot a lot of that happened before I was even fucking born absolutely but, uh, mate well anything's better than sitting <laughs> listening to you go on about fucking cancer and chemo to be yeah, honest yeah no, we've had enough of that now I think haven't we yeah uh, yeah <laughs> no. but, but it's it's yeah you're not special anymore you're just a run of the mill yeah. fucking human like the rest of us except you've got a job yeah except uh, one thing on round five oh yeah chemo it, it took them five goes to get the needle in my hand on the fourth one they couldn't even pierce the skin and the nurse said in six years of cannulating people, she's never known the needle to not even be able to break the skin. So I think I'm some kind of fucking superhero now. You leathery bastard. Right. Yeah. I tell you what, you're <laughs> fucked if you want to try heroin. Yeah, I know. Just Jeez, fucking... That was going to be my yeah. next fucking venture. Yeah, fucking hell. Sharing needles, forget it. They yeah. fucking snap on this dude. Yes. I'm like Luke Cage and Deadpool rolled into one. <laughs> What you? What you're six foot two and black? Yes. I mean Deadpool. Yeah, I get that. But Luke Cage, <laughs> I'm really not sure where you're coming from with that. Dear yeah, man. well. You, but you, you, you're more of you're more of a Jessica Jones, if you ask me. But there you go. That's uh... yeah, she's cool. I'm all right with that. Have you watched that, by the way? Jessica Jones, I have. Yeah, I thought it was fucking ace. It was, um, I, I haven't watched Luke Cage yet. Yeah, Luke Cage has got some seriously shit reviews, and and, the, and there's going to be another series before they do an, another Jessica Jones. And I really enjoyed Jessica Jones. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, it, take, it took a while I, um, to get going, and it took a while for me to accept um, old Scottish bollocks as the as the um, villain, David yeah, Tennant. Yeah. yeah. But once it gets going, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was brilliant. I'm the one that I absolutely loved though was I absolutely loved Daredevil. I thought that was just ah, brilliant. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought the first series was better than the second one, but having the Punisher sort of made up for it. Yes. I thought he was fucking ace as the Punisher. Uh, well, that 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 first scene where you ever see the Punisher, and it's just like if you slow it down, you see the skull in blood on his t-shirt in that fight. Right. Yeah. It's just that's like wow. That's that's how to yeah. introduce a fucking superhero, well, yeah, yeah. sort of hero. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, he's just a fucking nut job, isn't yeah. he? Basically, S- super mass killer. <laughs> yeah, there was one of the bits my mate pointed out. Where he just he said they got the tone perfect. Was when he uh, did he? I can't remember. Did he go into a shop to buy a load of, a load of guns or something? So the dude was like, "Oh, do you fancy buying this? Or do you fancy buying that?" We've got pictures. He's like, "No, no, no." 
And then he goes, oh, we've got pictures of little kids. And then he just drops his bag and turns on and goes after him. I was like, yeah, that's fucking the Punisher, isn't it? Right yeah, there. absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's... Um... Yeah, uh, you're going to be a bit of a. Uh, you're going to be a bit of a punisher when you get out on the, uh, get back out on the beer and on the streets and. Uh, no, mate. Uh, I'm going to be wrecked after two pants. I'm going to be a complete mess. You will be, won't you? <laughs> you will. Well, I will. And let's face it, you've got an excuse to drink fucking rum and coke for the rest of your life. I have for me drummer for thirteen. Tom blessing me. He's bought me a massive bottle of Captain Morgan's stuck my face over the picture of the pirate as well so. <laughs> that that is that is awesome that is yeah, awesome but yeah, it, I can't well, wait to crack that open thing is I, I can't wait for one day in your life you're going to order a rum and coke and you're going to be winging the bunch of guys and someone's going to go ooh rum and coke and you are going to have the best put down to make that guy feel the size of a fucking matchstick <laughs> we just turn around and go if it wasn't for drinking rum and coke I would never have got cancer diagnosed the second time. Exactly. I'm yeah. drinking this. I'm drinking this not out of choice, but to save yeah. my life. <laughs> Seriously, it's funny man. How many people have told me that I need to keep drinking rum for that very reason? Seriously, mate. Like, you you're, should do... you're almost encouraging alcoholism. Seriously, dude. I want to film an advert with you on high production values with with like a bottle of rum and coke and basically saying that, you know. We'll do the whole documentary story of how you discovered cancer, right? And yeah. then we and then we yeah. sell that finished commercial to like fucking Captain Morgan or someone like that. And absolutely, yeah. seriously, mate, you want to be absolutely cane in this. You want to be getting them in on tweets. <laughs> you want to do your like. You want to do the video diary and send them it and go right. Come on, let's let's have some money for for fucking Macmillan out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. That yeah. You know, or get them, or, or even, or even, even if it's just to get them to sponsor the thing in, um, uh, in Hull, get them involved. Yeah. Get on to, get on to them. They will. They. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, mate. Get some, get ah. some, because that, because that is, boy, that kind of thing is something they're going to want to be associated with. Because, you know, you as an, well, as an alcohol brand, the only way you can get positive, the only way you can get positive um, PR is either you pay for it and you sponsor a band on tour or whatever. Um, right. or, or an event or charity and yeah. you know and and the, the link between you and cancer and rum and wow I mean fucking hell yeah 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 there's got to be something in there that. well I tell you what I know somebody who's going to have a lot of time on his hands um, hey it, well if, the... if that um, if that said fucking bum needs something to do <laughs> 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 yeah, I tell you that that bum and the rest of me um, is, yeah. is is going to need something to do. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll get on to that, dude. I'll get on to that. Ah, oh, nice one, thank you. Awesome. Well, look, let's not make this the last one. I, I'm 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 keen to speak to you next month as well. Um, yeah, definitely. And um, and don't hang up because um, I need a, a brief chat with you. But um, we're, oh, we're, yeah. oh yeah, I was going to ask you a couple of things too. Okay, cool. All right. Well, look, I, I I'm sure I speak for everybody listening that you know this is this has been fucking great. It's the ultimate. Um, it, it's the ultimate result. It's what we were all after, even if it does mean you know the end of your your special guests. But it's you know it's it's not. We'll just space them out. But um, yeah, I mean you just got to put 
for a bit longer, doesn't it, as well? Absolutely. Uh, but a lot, a lot for you to consider. Well, look, I, having spoken to people on the road out on tour and knowing that people have found your uh, your story somewhat inspirational, this is in what has been a very fucking shit last couple of weeks with Chris Cornell and Manchester bombings and everything else. This oh, is a, yeah. This is a fucking great way um, to go out because the podcast started on a low and I feel like it's going out on a high. It's fucking it's great news, yeah. mate. And I Thank speak for everyone and say, brilliant, it's great great knowing we're going to have you around for a few more years yet. Thank you. Well, Thank I just you. wanted to say as well, I'm, like, just yourself doing these podcasts and stuff, I, it's, it's helped me so much talking to you about it. It's, it's helped me stay focused and stuff like that and so I'm, I can't fucking thank you enough to be quite uh, honest with you it's, it's just been fucking brilliant for me and then knowing that other people are getting some out of it as well like and hopefully I'm helping other people who might be going through or something like that and the feedback and the support that everyone like the, the comments that you've passed on to me it's just been absolutely fucking just overwhelming to be quite honest it's yeah it's yeah, I can't, honestly, I can't thank you and I can't thank the listeners enough. Just thank you all very fucking much. I mean, I mean that as well. Well, that's, that's so, great, mate. Yeah. And I mean, from, from my point of view, it's been absolutely awesome um, having at least 20 minutes of filler um, for the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, as, as long as you get, as long as you're managing to fill your fucking podcast out, you bastard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. mate, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's finish it there. It's been a pleasure, Dan. Nice one. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you. And there you go. Um, the last ever, hopefully, cancer corner. Um, that was more chemo corner. Um, but um, fucking great news um, absolutely wonderful news I'm sure you're all as pleased to hear that as I was um, it, we, he told me earlier in the week um, and it was, uh, we were just yeah just swapping messages I was like oh I've been made redundant oh I've, been, I've got all the, the all clear it's like oh dude this is awesome um, what a great way to end the podcast as I said there it's on an uplifting note um, it's been a tough old time uh, in, in 2017 um, anybody listening to this in the years to come it, yeah these were some fucking heavy weeks alright um, and um, yeah you remember them well if you were around but yeah it's just really good to finish on a positive note and obviously the other positive note is as always thank you so much to you all for listening please I cannot ask you enough Please share the podcast. If you like it, if you love it, clap your hands. <laughs> if you like it and you love it, clap your hands. If you like it and you love it, clap your hands. If you like it and you love it and you want to show your bollocks. If you like it and you love it, please share the fuck out of it. There we go. It's a while since we've had a little uh, song on the end of the podcast. And uh, there you go. Free, that one. Um, please do share your love. You know, nick people's podcast apps, uh, nick people's phones, nick people's laptops, smash their iPads, their shit. Um, Just ask anybody who's ever tried to Skype on one. Um, So, you know, or join a a group Skype on one. Shit. Um, But, you know, look, please share it, share the love. If you happen to be on iTunes, shite tunes, whatever you want to call it, if you happen to be passing by, it'd be nice to get some stars, you know, either five or none. Um, you know, not really interested in your genuine opinion, but seriously, you know that you know the you know the score, guys. Please do share the love um, because I'm I'm really enjoying doing these, and I really want to get to a stage where we can up our game and get some you know basically make some money out of it. Um, I'm fucking redundant. I need every penny I can get here, guys. Come on, help me out, help a guy out. Um, so 
please do shed the love shed the love <laughs> shed that's getting rid of the love shed the love get rid of the love um no please share the love and uh let's try and um yeah let's try and get this uh, this podcast up to a new level so um as always it's my absolute pleasure thank you very very much for listening and as always it is time to finish on a song um as previously promised um well as close as i'm ever going to get to a promise um this is from the new he is legend album called few f e w that's fox that's foxtrot echo whiskey for all you fans of the um phonetic alphabet um please do i'm tangent got one in um this like i said not metal not deftones just different listen to this song it's it it really does it tells you everything you need to know about he is legend because it starts one way it goes this way and that way and what a voice etc um i hope that's me hitting um hitting a chandelier sounds like i live in a fucking buckingham palace like my mum does anyway no that's not true um and i'm pretty short so me touching the ceiling i've gone off on a tangent again fuck it this is an awesome album it's a fantastic song Often an awesome album. The album is few, the band is He is Legend, and the song is Sand. <laughs> 